Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. To kick things off here tonight, uh, the news is from lourockwell.com's blog. Maybe you've heard the absurdities that have surrounded the DUI laws in recent times, last few decades, last couple decades Probably mostly, yeah. Probably mostly the last ten to to, uh, to twenty years where things have gotten really ludicrous, to where there have been story after story about how you can be arrested and charged with D, DUI or DWI for simply sitting in your car with the keys in the ignition. Doesn't matter if the car is turned on. Yes. As a matter of fact, I have a cousin that this happened to. It just shows how commonplace it is. Right. He was, he was uh, I guess, as I remember the story, and it's been told to me quite some time ago, and I may have some of the facts wrong, but uh, he was sleeping it off in a parking lot, uh, maybe a bar, a party, or something like that. I don't know the specifics. Uh, I can't remember the specifics. Responsible thing to do, right. in he, my opinion. You know, he goes to his car. It's California. He can, you know, you can sleep in a car and not die there um, from, the, uh, from the weather, and you know, he decided to sleep it off. The the keys, I think, were in the ignition or were in his pocket or something. So since he had possession of active the keys, possession of he had the active keys. possession of the keys, they charged him with DUI. It's absolutely insane. Well, get ready for more. The movie Minority Report, this from David Kramer at LouRonkel.com, was about a future society where people are arrested before they actually even commit a crime. Have you seen it, Mark? Yes. Uh, I.e., they are arrested just for thinking about committing a crime. It seems that science fiction has become science fact in Minnesota, where the Supreme Court of Minnesota on Thursday upheld the drunk driving conviction of a man caught asleep behind the wheel of a vehicle that would not start. At 11.30 p.m. on June 11, 2007, police found Daryl Fleck sleeping in his own legally parked car in his apartment complex parking lot. The vehicle's engine was cold to the touch, indicating it had not been driven recently. The keys were in the center console, not the ignition. Fleck admitted to having consumed around a dozen beers that night. Oh, boy. Officers at the scene arrested him, and his blood alcohol level was found to be .18. Laws covering driving under the influence of alcohol have evolved over the years to cover situations where police find a parked but recently driven vehicle with a drunk behind the wheel. In the 1992 case, Minnesota versus Starfield, the court found a drunk passenger sitting in a vehicle stuck in a ditch guilty of DUI, but not because it could prove she was really the one who drove and caused the accident. Instead, the court ruled that towing assistance was likely available, creating the theoretical possibility that the immobile vehicle could easily be made mobile. These defendants have been charged under an expanded definition that suggests having dominion and control with mere potential to drive is a crime. Intending to sleep off a night of drinking treated as the same crime as attempting to drive home under this legal theory which does not take motive into account. It's absolutely insane. I, I just don't understand it. How can they how, how can they even consider that, that the same thing? How can they sleep with themselves? As Fleck was an unsympathetic figure with multiple DUI convictions in his past, prosecutors had no problem convincing a jury to convict. 
The court took up. It's probably easier when you're dealing with a guy who's a chronic. The court took up Fleck's case to expand the precedent to cover the case of mere presence of an undriven. Excuse me, to cover the case of mere presence in an undriven and perhaps undrivable car into the definition of drunk driving. The court relied on Fleck's drunken claim that his car was operable to set aside the physical evidence to the contrary. In cra- crazy. So basically, for whatever reason, the car uh, in this uh, in this case was inoperable. And he was drunken, so he told them that it was operable, and that was good enough for the police to charge him with the crime. That doesn't make any sense at all. Of intending to drive a vehicle that apparently could not be driven. Does that make sense to you? I, I, it makes sense in that I think I understand what you're telling me. Update from Matthew Lee uh, regarding your Minority Report blog post at Lou Rockwell. I've often felt in the same sense the prosecution of online child predators in which the minor, the person was alleged, in which the minor, the person was allegedly preying on was no such thing at all, but rather an undercover policeman. The law forbids such activities with a minor, to my knowledge, but there's no law against such activity with an undercover officer who is of age. Thus, like the DUI story, folks are in fact being prosecuted for their intentions. Because they believed they were contacting a minor. Could also add in folks pitched, uh, pinched for buying fake drugs from undercover cops. It's not illegal to buy talcum powder unless you believe it to be cocaine, which is true. It's also illegal to sell uh, talcum powder as though it is cocaine. Toll-free number here. Right, because the cops got tired of getting ripped off. You know, they, they're, they're such bad drug buyers. They're, they're sting people that, uh, well, people would just take their money and, and uh, you know, give them fake drugs. And so they had a law passed that said it's illegal to sell things that you say are drugs. Oh, there. Were, okay, here was a little bit of detail that the uh, Lou Rockwell story left out from the newspaper.com about the Minnesota case. So we pointed out that the vehicle's engine was cold to the touch. The keys were in the center console. Turns out they actually did put the key in the ignition uh, and turned it. And although the key turned the ignition, turned in the ignition, the vehicle would not start. So it is confirmed here that uh, the car this man, this drunken man, was sitting in could not be started had he wanted to start it. I I just don't see how you can give somebody like that a, a, a drunk driving charge. I mean, it's intent to drive drunk. If they had such a law, then I suppose they could charge him with it, but, you know, they, they don't. Apparently they do. I mean, the, the Supreme Court of Minnesota has upheld this conviction in a, uh, was it unanimous decision? Yes, it was a unanimous decision. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't even dissent. It's quite clear to these statist robed men and women that uh, this is in the best interest of the state that we have this uh, this regulation. Because, well, you know what happens to people that have DUIs, right? They pay fines? Big time. Yeah. Thousands of dollars in fines, which, of course, I'm sure does a lot for the, the, uh, the alcoholism that they have. I'm sure that really helps them out with whatever problem it is that they have. Because it's likely that a lot of the folks that have DUIs uh, con- convictions probably have a problem. They likely have an issue with alcohol to where uh, you talk to people with DUIs and you usually find out that in many cases, they've got more than one. You know, they've been back. This guy in this particular case has had more than one. In fact, three prior convictions elevated his sentence to a felony for which the trial judge imposed four years in prison. So now because this guy did the right thing and didn't drive, 
he's being punished with four years in prison. The taxpayers are being punished by paying whatever extraordinary costs are involved in keeping a man behind bars for four years. I know around here it's 60 bucks plus a day in order to keep somebody behind bars. So this guy uh, has – people around the country are having their lives ruined because getting a DUI is no easy thing to deal with. Even if, you're, even if it's just your first one, you still, in many cases, lose driving privileges for a, a lengthy period of time. You have to pay thousands of dollars in fines. They really are the social pariahs of our time. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I it, if you talk, it's it's hard to find somebody who hasn't done this particular activity. But sat it out in a car, you mean? No, drunk, I, I, well, uh, driven, drunk. driven home by Braille at one point or another. Mm. Um, by that, I mean being over the point zero eight limit. It's really it's difficult to find somebody who hasn't done this particular activity. So, uh, and it's amazing how, um, you know, they, they, you know, um, they don't mind the vilification of, of these people. I'm not saying that the activity itself is okay. I just think that it's, it's gone too far uh, in the way that they prosecute. Well, if, if you think it's gone too far now, wait till you see what they come up with next, right? right. That's and, and you could be guaranteed. If today they're going after people for drunk driving that have not driven drunk, then what's it going to be like in 10 years? Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. If you'd like to speculate or uh, chime in on this, maybe you've got some uh, experience with DUIs, maybe you've had a few. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. And for the grand prize, why was marijuana made illegal? Uh, because it's a gateway drug. Because there's no medical value. Because it corrupts the youth. Uh, because drugs are bad, okay? Because it kills your brain cells. Uh, because it makes you dumb. Because it makes you lazy. Uh, because it'll make boys grow boobs. Uh, because it threatens industry and Americans are a bunch of sheep. MarijuanaMuscle.com This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features completely free, and those features include our Facebook profile. You can head over to facebook.freetalklive.com, and you can become a fan. It's Facebook dot freetalklive.com and um the the new new hampshire liberty forum is uh, coming up i believe it's march the 18th through the 21st 21st yes that's right there's going to be such luminaries there as uh, judge napolitano myself you can come on uh, <laughs> you can come and uh, check it out <laughs> so all you have to do is go to freestateproject.org and uh, they have the liberty forum information right there at the top of the page click there if you hurry up you can get the early bird discount you can also also use ftl 2010 that's ftl 2010 and get yourself a little discount it's a great time you know i don't know if it's going to happen uh but the free state project of course a Neat little idea, uh, one in which we made a serious move for. We made the move to New Hampshire here over three years ago now from Florida as a part of the Free State Project in order to 
uh, become activists for liberty, or I already was an activist, but to move my activism here uh, to New Hampshire. It's been wonderful. Hundreds of people have made the move. In fact, according to their website, freestateproject.org, over 795 have already uh, are already in New Hampshire, and thousands more have signed on and pledged to make that move. In fact, the current uh, signer level is 9,896, 9, so we're 104 away at this point from reaching the vaunted 10,000 mark, the top of the hill to where it will be a, a downhill thing after a you know downhill journey after uh, after that point so i'm wondering do you think we'll hit the 10,000 mark by the liberty forum two months to get 104 uh, signatures it's certainly certainly possible yeah it's very possible I, I i think that if you've been on the fence now's the time just go there and sign up at uh, freestateproject.org so yeah the, uh, the the guest list continues to flesh out for the liberty forum uh folks like radley balco william norman grigg from lourockwell.com we're constantly sharing uh, his work tom knapp's going to be there from the center for stateless society shelly roche a uh, very beautiful uh, young lady who is associated with uh, judge napolitano she's the ron paul girl too yeah, that's I guess. No, was that what she was? The the Ron Paul girl? I believe. Yeah, yeah. She is a Ron Paul related female. I didn't know if she was the Ron Paul girl, but Angela Keaton's going to be there from antiwar.com and so many more. You can get the whole list of uh, guests, and it's not even complete yet, uh, which is a good thing because it'll it allows you to get the discount, uh, the early bird discount, which is available until they announce all of the guests, until they announce the schedule, and you can always use the FTL discount code to save ten percent which is FTL 2010, FTL2010, as we continue. The absurdities don't stop with the drunk driving laws in this country, which uh, are just putting countless people behind bars for not actually putting anyone in danger. Just being in possession of the ability, having the ability to control a vehicle while one is intoxicated is apparently enough now to garner a, a DUI charge, as we were just sharing with you. But the absurdities don't stop there. There's another one from New York Daily News, nydailynews.com. A drug bust of two Bronx men wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And now they're looking for a sweet payday from the city. Cops accused Cesar Rodriguez and Jose Pena of having crack cocaine in their work van. It's a pretty serious allegation. Yes. Unfortunately, this story has more to do with the imaginations of the police officers than anything that actually exists in reality. Because it turns out, the so-called crack cocaine was only coconut candy. Charges were dropped after tests showed they were telling the truth. But the two men planned to file a $2 million lawsuit against the NYPD. Well, that'll solve the injustice, won't it? (laughs) Do you think? No, I don't. I Why? think that I think that uh, Do you think they'll be more careful if they have to pay out two million dollars? But they don't have to pay out two million dollars. Who does? The taxpayers do. Mm. So this isn't gonna you know, this doesn't hold the bureaucrats responsible in any way, shape, or form. I guess I mean, it doesn't. They, no, they, doesn't. They, they get they have a little mud on their face. They have a little mud on their face. They look kind of silly. But um, you know, these What's guys new? Yeah, these guys union's gonna protect them. Their job's not going anywhere. Rodriguez says, I spent five days in jail for possession of coconut candy. He's an ex-con that works as a plumber's assistant. He and Pena were parked near an Arthur Avenue bodega January 15th when two police officers asked to search their green Chevy Venture van. The cops There's found, the first problem. Yeah. The f- cops found pieces of the crystalline candy known as crema de coco and sold in bodegas at, yeah, it is sold in bodegas across the city in a plastic baggie. Which, uh, to, to focus a little more on what you said there, Mark, the first problem is 
that they allowed the search. Well, for them, it's actually not a problem. They're hoping for us, as they said, sweet payday. So if it, it works out, if that's what ends up happening, well, they've got some will, lawyer at this won't. point. Some lawyers taking it on uh, on spec. They're not paying for this. I mean, you know, these, this guy's an ex-con, and they let it. He has to. They asked to uh, search his work van. He doesn't have that kind of money. Officer, uh, Officer Anthony Burgos of the 48th Precinct arrested the duo for drug possession. Despite their insistence, they were guilty of only a sweet tooth. Yeah, well, I mean, for one, you you would think that uh, Dr. Anthony Burgos, or excuse me, uh, Officer Anthony Burgos would would have tasted it when they said that it was candy. Well, maybe if, if I'm, I mean, if it's crack, uh, and yeah, people put crack in their mouth in order to hide it, dude. Crack, putting crack in your mouth will not kill you. That's probably true, but that doesn't mean the officer knows that. That they should teach these people something. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, for one thing, it, crack isn't good for you if you chew it up and swallow it. I mean, he could have told the guy, well, here, chew it up and swallow it. Rodriguez and Pena were locked up on a Friday night and didn't see a judge for arraignment until that Sunday. And their lawyer, Pena, was released after re- arraignment, but Rodriguez couldn't make the $5,000 bail the judge imposed. Because this is of the a- other ridiculous part is uh, the way they impo- impose bail on people. The idea is to keep people in jail so they can feed their their prison industrial complex. This, was this guy a flight risk? Well, they claimed that he had a prior armed robbery conviction. He wasn't let go. Just on... because he has been convicted of something in the past doesn't mean that he's a flight risk. No, that's true. This all could have been avoided if they believed us and tasted the candy, said Pena, a father of four boys who works with Rodriguez. Uh, with Rodriguez, I thought my life was over. Wallerstein said cops ignored proper procedure. That's the lawyer that said that. They could have called for a field test. And let these men go, he said, as the notice of claim was filed with the controller's office. Either these two officers failed to follow procedure and were completely incompetent, or they intentionally arrested these men for possession of coconut candy. Stephen Reed, a spokesbureaucrat from the district attorney's office, confirmed that all charges were dropped. The NYPD declined to comment. The confection at the center of the case is widely available. It comes shaped like a rod and wrapped in plain cellophane. Rodriguez said he crumbled his into pieces and put it in a Hello Kitty sandwich bag so it would be easier to eat while driving. He got what hooked. Was this, what was this uh, big tough ex-con in the work van doing with a Hello Kitty sandwich bag? <laughs> he got hooked on his sweet because his grandmother used to make it and has no plans of quitting his habit. It just melts in your mouth, he said. I eat this every day, and I'm not going to stop because of what I've just been through. <laughs> uh-uh. So, okay, point of information... If the police ask you to search your car, you don't have to say yes. They're and asking for a reason. That can solve a lot of heartache and a lot of problems right there. Just, right, people won't find out that you're keeping things in Hello Kitty sandwich bags. Like We can come back and, uh, and talk a little more about the idea of searches and, uh, and how the police approach it. And I want to hear from you as well at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line plus... Story coming up about a real smuggler in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice brain development and Juicy Juice immunity fruit juice beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. 
you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those. And those features include our chat room. You can go to uh, chat.freetalklive.com and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners in there. Of course, best time to find them is during the program. Uh, that's chat.freetalklive.com. As we continue here uh, discussing some of the ludicrous things that the police are doing in your name and with your money, like arresting people for drunk driving when their keys are nowhere near the ignition, when they're just sitting it out in their car. In this case uh, that we brought up earlier, it was a man who was sitting in his car that would not even start if he'd wanted it to start. He was convicted for drunk driving and the case upheld by the Supreme Court of Minnesota in a unanimous decision. Let's go to your phone calls. Uh, Brian is in North Carolina, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brian. Good evening. How are you this today? What's, what's on your mind tonight, Brian? I wanted to comment about that, and if I could, I wanted to broaden the scope just a little bit. But I also <laughs> wanted to say that uh, Mr. Grigg does an excellent job of of keeping us informed about the abuses of the uh, tax eaters and donut abusers. <laughs> yeah, William and, uh, Norman Grigg, he's a great writer. He is. Um, and I, I, just as a plug for LRC, I go there just about, well, I go there every day. That's LewRockwell.com. Any, uh-huh. um, anyway, uh, the broader scope that I wanted to bring up um, has to do with the right of travel. And while I don't believe... It's explicitly pointed out in the Constitution because of some of the uh, Supreme Court decisions having to do with probable cause and travel and, uh, and traffic stops. Um, it, I've thought about this before. What if you needed to be somewhere else? What if you had to get somewhere? Well, from what I can see, for example, in North Carolina, I know people who have been stopped as pedestrians for any given reason on lawnmowers, on horses. Uh, if you were to stay off of the so-called public roads and to uh, try to traverse across the terrain, the open terrain, uh, you could be charged with uh, trespassing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, every day I think we are being more and more hemmed in, uh, literally and figuratively, by just about any law for any reason, and there's no rhyme or reason to it, excepting it's more and more state control. So that's really what I wanted to kind of open up, was that idea well, as well, because, you know, need, well, needless to say, we're so dependent as a society on, uh, on vehicular traffic. If they could shut this down, and by the way, there is precedence for this already, since the federal government, uh, shortly after uh, the well, in the year 2001, shut down anybody from being able to use the uh, the uh, skies to fly. So, yeah, and by the way, uh, the numbers are uh, down again. 2009, just as an aside, since you bring that up, 2009 was a record-setting year for the air travel industry in that they set a record for the biggest drop. International airlines suffer their biggest decline in traffic since 1945 as passenger demand fell 3.5%. So that's what the market's doing to respond to all these regulations. They're just trying to find other ways around. Exactly. And I know a lot of people, for example, who are willing to drive uh, 8 or 10 hours instead of 
getting on an airline now. I just did it uh, this weekend. As a matter of fact, I decided I just wasn't. I, you know, I had the the option of driving a twelve mile, a twelve hour drive, and decided to take that rather than getting on a plane. Um, exactly. You know, I, I felt like I, the, you know, the advantage of not getting a, the TSA's uh, flashlight uh, shown up my rectum and uh, being able to come and go as I, I, I pleased were were worth it. So exactly. Now, and I don't I'd know like about to, you, but I really don't want to see myself with a backscatter on YouTube or something like that. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. And indeed. Now, I, I think what I the, the only thing I disagree with what you've said so far is the right to travel. I think that this is um, this is sort of one of these things that's uh, being trotted out, and I don't think there is a right to travel. And I'm going to uh, sh- I, I believe that there's a right to use your own communal public property, you know, property that the government takes money from you in, in you know, and then the, you you should be able to use that property to traverse in whatever fashion you want. Yes. But if there was a right to travel, you'd be able to walk across my land, which you pointed out would in fact be trespassing. So I don't right. think there is a right to travel. There's a right to use your your property, your your public communal property. I know, and that's kind of a problem, isn't it? And I haven't yeah, seen, well. uh, I have not seen anybody address this in a <laughs> in a logical way, and what, what I mean by that is outside of the laws that are currently written. And I, I, I preface that, if you notice, by saying, um, and this would be a stretch, I believe it's probably implicit in the Constitution, but I wouldn't want to claim that. And I've never seen that in the Constitution. Uh, you know, you could interpret that document in a lot of different ways, depending on your ideological inclination. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I would, that's kind of the reason that I called to bring this up is, and I, I, I didn't mean to use the word right to travel exactly. Oh, my, my partner but, agrees with the, the right to travel. But, Don't worry. But the well, no, I, think you're, I think is, I think the uh, essentially the, uh, the wordsmithing here uh, that you've done, Mark, is, uh, is accurate in that you know, you've kind of nailed it down a little more accurately. It's, it's just simply a right to use alleged public property. I agree mm-hmm. with you that you don't have a right necessarily to travel across someone's private property. So Right. But, and, so. and in defense of that idea, too, let me bring up one other idea. Even, even before and after the Constitution had been ratified, um, there were no restrictions that I know of on usage of public right-of-ways. Yeah. You're right. And, I mean, and essentially I'm not too you crazy get... about the idea of public right-of-ways, if you know what I mean, either, but... Nevertheless, uh, that's being restricted every day that I can see. Right. They, so they, they evolved from English common law um, and, you know, just sort of and, – and, you know, they're a necessity. Roads are a necessity for a culture that can't fly. So, I mean, obviously they would evolve as to, you know, the you know, hows and whys of it. Um, you know, and they was, were privately owned, by the way. Yes. Well, some, some of them were – usually what you're talking about is well-maintained roads as opposed to a, a public way. Uh, you know, basically people could go along other people's property lines to sort of get around, and um, right. that, was, that was sort of the rule. But if you wanted to use the road that I keep very, very nicely, you're going to have to pay me. If you want to use the yeah. bridge that I build, you're going to have to pay me. Absolutely. I have no problems with that. Right. But my point is um, – I think that is a problem uh, coming from a libertarian standpoint. I've never really seen anybody address this specifically, and that's why I wanted to. That's the reason for my call. I wanted to kind of bounce that idea out there. Um, you know, if it if it were the case, or if it is the case uh, that we have public 
roads, so to speak. And they can demand that nobody can be on them for any given reason. I can just see a national emergency mm-hmm. situation when that would happen. Um, then effectively, you could be hemmed in on your quote-unquote own property. And by the way, I don't believe that we actually do own property because there is no such thing as a loyal title in any of the 50 states that I Right. If you don't pay property taxes, you'll find out real quick that uh, Uh, you don't actually own the property. And you're right. It's interesting. When we've talked about about it many times in the past, uh, the idea of getting the roads out of the hands of the state and essentially allowing the marketplace to handle uh, transportation completely – one of the ob- objections that people bring up is, oh, what if some evil corporation buys the roads surrounding your house and traps you there? And what they're failing to realize is that's pretty much what we have, except that they haven't trapped us yet. I mean, the evil corporation known as the government, because they're all corporations, they're called municipal corporations, uh, the, the government people own the roads surrounding your house, and you're absolutely right. If they felt like it, they can set up roadblocks, and they can trap you in your own home. It's, it's absolutely one of the most effective uh, control grids that they have. It gives their agents direct access to the front of your home. Absolutely. And I was uh, privileged enough to be involved. Well, I was in Massachusetts in the storm of 78, and I remember when we were forbade to use the roads. Yep, and and it's just any old arbitrary reason. They can just pull it out of their butt and decide that uh, you don't get to use their roads anymore. Thank you for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. And they do it all the time, as we were talking about before, with people convicted of DWIs. You can use our roads as long as you walk on the sidewalk. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's Amazon, the world's largest internet retailer. they got all kinds of products in dozens of categories in which you can choose. Plus, there's also used items. So if you need to save a few extra bucks, you can go used. Anyway, start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we continue with your phone calls, Kurt is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Kurt. Hi, guys. Uh, hey. Good evening. I uh, guess some congratulations are in order for your right to travel. Is that right, Ian? Uh, well, wait, wait. we were talking about the uh, the so-called right to travel. I think Mark's uh, was a little more specific about what that right. means, and I, th- I think that, that it means that you have the right to use the so-called public property to get from point A to point B as long as you aren't putting somebody else in danger. And, yeah, I announced on the show last week that I have put a private uh, plate on my car. 
and uh, it's uh, it's a nice plate. I got it from a website called LicensePlates.tv. And and Kurt, you uh, live here also in the Keene area, and you are very familiar with this particular plate because what happened was when I had ordered it, uh, and it's it's a real license plate. I mean, it's it's the real deal in Boston, everything. It's a real license. Oh yeah, it's really nice. I got the uh, Ian. Uh, you gave me your old one, and uh, but. Uh, they came in. Uh, I guess it was a misprint, but they took care of it. And yeah, they bombed the, your... the first order, and they they set the numbers on the plate as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I, that was not what I ordered. I ordered one with my phone number on it. So, but it, you know, I wasn't going to throw the thing away. And I, yeah, they, it's a nice piece of. Money. They said I didn't have to send it back to them. They sent me the other one, you know, on the house, obviously, because they because they messed up. Which you know, that's good customer service. So points to them for that. And, oh, yeah. and I gave you the uh, the old one, and you've actually been driving around with that on the front of your car for a while. Right. We haven't got the cojones yet to uh, put it on the back. but uh, Well, you pretty much have to still... expect that if you do that, you're going to have your car stolen. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much what you have yeah. to expect going into something like this. Well, we got pulled over one time moving uh, one of the other guys up here in the truck, and we had uh, and we had the lady who didn't give me a ticket that time. Um uh, asked about the the plate in the front and i just told him well it's none of your business <laughs> so hey it says private on it what what do you think you right know? so uh you know oh. yeah i got other answers i know i'm not the most polite guy in the world but <laughs> one thing that i am absolutely heartbroken about is today i found out that up in the town of marlow uh there's a volunteer fire department uh chief who is uh, he's the chief of the volunteer fire department in the town of Marlow, and the city is uh, stealing his home uh, yet again because he can't afford to make the taxes. The guy who is, uh, you know, he doesn't make uh, good wages, and the taxes continuously go up, and there's a big resistance here in Cheshire County about the new jail, and uh, there's, there's some, a lot of stuff being formed about that. But uh, we're going to be, um, we don't have it all put together yet, but, and I don't know all the details, I don't even know this man, but uh, we're going to uh, get some, we're going to try and get some money from him from uh, the the pictures. And if it's all right with you guys, uh, when somebody orders from libertypictureframes.com for the next 10 days and they order with, uh, they mention Free Talk Live when they, uh, when they call, when they, uh, uh, when they, make their purchase, uh, we're going to give 25% of the entire sale to uh, this guy for the next 10 days. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, it was a shocking getting... story when uh, when I heard about it from you, and I haven't seen yeah. it. Uh, it hasn't hit the news yet, at least around here, no. that, uh, that I know of, and uh, it, just, just makes you, it just goes to show that they're willing to even uh, send one of their own to the Wolves. I mean, this is the chief of the volunteer fire squad. You'd think he'd have some, uh, at least a little good old boy network connections that could prevent something like this from happening, but if it's true what, yeah. you're, if, if it's true what you're saying, and I have no reason to disbelieve it, uh, that this it's just an absolute tragedy that, that somebody is having their house stolen. Oh, wait a minute, Kurt, no, wait, it's not stealing when they do it, it's just a tax right. sale. Right, right, yeah, and that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to get it for, they're, so they're going to go buy the property for about five or six thousand bucks. I mean, the guy's got, it's a, it's a 25-something acre lot, and well, that's... someone's going to go steal that property from Oh, so it's it's, so it's, it's, ju- it's not a, it doesn't have a home on it, it's just a, an empty lot? No, it's got a home on it, it's got a home, it's got trees and wood and you know all kinds of all kinds of things you know well it's, it's likely it's, there's somebody's going to pay more than a few thousand dollars for it because it, as i understand it when a tax sale happens it goes to the highest bidder 
So they have to We're pay off. We're hoping to be putting a, a chip in for that, too. I don't know what's happened. Uh, I will call back with the status as soon as I know about what's happening and what we've got. But we're working on, uh, we're going to put a chip in up on, on LibertyPictureFrames.com, and we're, we're going to try and, uh, uh, you know, that'll go straight to him. Um, and uh, we're, we're getting in touch with him. He happens to be a friend of one of the employees at the factory. So, um it's a uh, one of the guys who crafts the picture frame. Well, when so, you know more, Kurt, would you post it over at uh, the Freekeen forum at sure. forum.freekeen.com? Yeah, we'll do. I'm, as soon as I get some more details, I don't have enough really to put together something. But uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that really breaks my heart: the aggression, the the stealing of people's lives and livelihood, and uh, we've all experienced it on some degree. Um, yeah, this is a, the ultimate degree. I mean, the, the idea that uh, that you're, you can lose your house if you don't pay this criminal gang known as the government, that's the ultimate degree of, uh, of outrage. It's, I guess it would be worse if they killed your family. But, uh, you know, this is pretty bad. Uh, it's essentially kicking somebody's family out into the cold uh, because of their the, arbitrary amounts that they're charging people. And it's just proof, right, it as is, we were saying earlier, that you don't own your own property. It's real strange that they're doing this in January. I mean, you know, you'd think that this would be yeah. something a little more appropriate to do. I'm not saying it's appropriate. A little more appropriate to do in July. How about just, uh, you know, uh, do away with the taxes and try to, you know, let, let the guy just live the way he wants to live. I just don't see why they can't just go away. Well, maybe eventually uh, they will. And, and I think thanks to great folks like you, Kurt, and the other wonderful liberty-minded folks that are moving here as part of the Free State Project, something has to change down the line. I thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. It's, it's not going to be easy. This is no walk in the park. It's not, uh, not going to – the government isn't just going to up and throw its hands up in the air and, and walk away anytime soon. But when you get people who care – about liberty together in the same place, neat things start to happen. Things that uh, previously have been impossible become possible. And we were talking, I was talking with someone today about the idea of hiring uh, one of the attorneys. We've got a liberty-friendly attorney in the area who has said that he's willing to work for free. Well, he's willing to work for a yearly salary of something fairly low for an attorney, $60,000, and then essentially be the go-to guy for anybody that wants to use an attorney to uh, to take cases to court and things like that, rather than just plea bargaining out and uh, and essentially using uh, promoting himself as the attorney that will offer his services free to people, to the end user, uh, because he's already been prepaid for, basically. And uh, that's that's something that is possible anywhere if you have enough people to where you can garner to, you know, gather together sixty thousand dollars, which means in most places it's not possible. Even right here, right now, it's not possible yet. But down the line, that is something as more people with capital come here and more people with just money to to burn on activism and things like that uh, come here, then those kinds of projects will become more of a reality. And right now we're at the we're at a phase where people are coming here and they're getting activist uh, activism is getting done. Some civil disobedience is happening. A lot of politics is happening, of course, uh, in uh, you know the state capital as well. And bonds are being built. Friendships are being uh, built and strengthened over time. 
And I think that uh, the relationships that we're creating here, many of these are going to be lifelong relationships that these activists are creating with one another. That's going to go a long way toward uh, helping them work together into the future. It's a movement unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And you know, the, the fact that you've got uh, Kurt calling in telling us about a guy who we don't even know has had his home allegedly stolen from him by uh, the, the, the tax feeders up in a, a nearby town, showing that these – Activists are willing to stand behind people and help people out that they've never, uh, probably never even met before. They're willing to uh, financially uh, raise money and and uh, step up to help people out. And I and I think that we're going to see more of that in the future. Right now, the activists generally kind of uh, help each other out mostly. If I was just in court today, one of the activists was uh, on trial for some traffic nonsense, and uh, a, a number of us showed up to support him. I would love to have the numbers of people here to where we could just send our send activists out to court trials and and arraignments for people that we don't know to where we have a regular group of people going into the courtroom on a Monday morning for an arraignment to simply do outreach to the the victims in there the victims of the state aggression I mean that that becomes possible when you have hundreds of activists from which to draw now we've got a couple dozen so uh, we're still in that growing uh, growing period and you can be uh, be a part of it how many you got in your town yeah exactly how many are coming to your town freestateproject.org to learn more more coming up here hour number two is on the way you can take control of the airwaves free talk live How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch into the second hour of the program tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. Enjoy those on us. It's a brand new website, Redesigned. Uh, to be more community-oriented, it is essentially a website now that allows you to create the content or you to decide on what content shows up on the front page. You can submit your own uh, your own news stories. You can even submit uh, opinion pieces or rants or whatever it is you want to. And then other listeners will be able to vote them up or vote them down as they like or dislike them. Go to freetalklive.com to see what it's all about and get interactive. Tony is on the line in Texas going to your phone calls and the fun. Tony, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Tony in Texas, going once. Tony in Texas, going twice. Hello? Hey, Tony. Hey, no, this is not Tony in Texas. This well, is Tony in Washington State. Well, sorry about that, Tony. Uh, in Washington State, there you are. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I was calling the Alex Jones show. 
Well, I'm sorry, but uh, you've reached Free Talk Live. Uh, maybe you're listening to uh, – he's on the same network as, as we are, so it's possible you're listening to a refed show, and he gave out the same phone number. But uh, it, Yeah, it was given out. That's okay. What was it that uh, that you wanted to talk about? I mean, you can talk to us. It well, could be a real surprise is, for you, Tony. Yeah, yeah. The thing I want to talk about is, you know, I was listening to Alex Jones and some of the stuff and, 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 and the things that the government's doing. And how they can actually arrest you for arguing with your brother over the phone. Now, has this actually occurred? Yes. I have been arrested and convicted. My brother lives like over 300 miles away. Okay. And uh, I was arguing with him over the phone. You know how brothers get, you know, and family members get sometimes. They Mm -hmm. uh, argue over the phone and you know, threatened to kick each other's butts or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was actually arrested and convicted for it. And was this in Washington State where uh, where this occurred? Yes. And wh- how did this transpire? I mean, you had a fight over the phone. Did he yes, call the we cops? Yes, arguing over the phone, you know. He was he takes care of my brother, or uh, my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, he smokes pot and does drugs in the house stuff like that, and, uh, you know, that's how it all occurred. And I lived there before before this occurred. I, I had lived there, and that's one of the reasons I had moved out is because, you know, he does these things and stuff like that, and he's not supposed to do those things, and my mother's of a bad health. And uh, when I went to court, the day that I went to court, I, you know, the prosecutor said, well, his mother's of a bad The prosecutor attorney said, his mother's of of bad health, she, you know, and this guy here is being violent towards his brother and doing threatening things and this and that. And I said, yes, I am. I admitted it, you know. Can, can we go back just a little bit before we get to, uh, the, you know, what happened in court? I mean, Did, I can barely hear you. Okay, well, I, I don't know if there's anything I can do about that. Can you, can you hear me now? A little bit better, Okay. Yes. Uh, so my question for you is... You had an argument with your brother over the phone, and you were yes. arrested for this. Did he call the police on you? How did the police... Yes, he called the police. And wh- and they came over to your home. What did you no, say to him? No, they did not. They called me from there. From They huh. used their cell phone from Yakima to Centralia, which is over... Three hours, four hours away, 300 miles so, away. So, point of information, he called his local police. They yes. came to his home. They yes. then called you from his yes. home? Yes. And how did you end up getting arrested? They told me that I'm not supposed to be calling there and doing any types of uh, threatening. Uh, Is there a restraining order against you? Yes. Okay, so then yes. you violated the restraining order by calling a place you were ordered uh, no. to not call? No. Was no. there a restraining order against you at that now. time? There is now. No. There is now, yes. Okay, so the police told you that you weren't supposed to be calling there. Was it understood somehow that uh, your mom didn't want you calling that house or something like that? No, 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 no. No, no. What happened was the whole thing, that's what I'm talking about. I was arrested and convicted of calling someone over the phone. What was the actual charge that you were convicted of? I'm pretty sure calling somebody uh, is not a... That was the charge, domestic violence harassment. Now, um, does your brother... By the government. 
Right. Your your brothers uh, obviously called the police in this instance, but does your brother support what happened um, as a result of him making that telephone call? Is he pleased with the outcome? Uh, yeah, he's pleased with it. Yeah, I I don't know. He, he assaulted me. He assaulted me months before that. But mm-hmm. the thing with this is, you can be charged with. And I was listening to Alex Jones, and I know that's probably a different radio station. That was the thing I was trying to get to. I was trying to get on his show. I guess. Yes, you've already made that did. point, but we we we've explained that that's not going to be the case. So just go ahead with your no. your thoughts. Uh, my thought is this: is to the American public, you know, um, I, I think it's pretty sad that you can call and argue with a family member and be tried and convicted of it. Well, I'm not sure that it matters to me what method you use to threaten someone. Um, you know, like it doesn't matter to me whether it's the telephone or face to face or or text messages or writing them a letter. Oh, okay, I see. All right. You know, like so, it just doesn't. I mean, if it's a threat, it's a threat. Did right? you threaten someone? Huh? Did you threaten your brother? Oh, just kick his butt or whatever. I mean, I mean, I mean, who doesn't do that? I well, mean, I don't threaten my. I don't threaten people. You've never threatened nobody in your life. I'll kick well, I'm not going to say I've never threatened anyone in my life. There, I might have there, made some mistakes. That's my I might have made some mistakes when I was younger, uh, but well, that's my point. As I'm an 40. adult, I do not threaten other people. Did, did he have a reason right. to believe um, your threats? I mean, have you two gotten in fights in the past, physically? No, never. 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 I think this is an overreaction, personally, as far as from the police's perspective. I don't think it was necessary for them to arrest you. I, I, uh, I can exactly. empathize. That's that's my point. Right, I can empathize with you. So, so let me see if I've got this straight. You, the the police called you from your brother's house, and Correct. then you're in Centrala, is that right? Yeah. And then when when were you? At what point were you arrested? About probably four months later, the state picked it up. Four they, months. They they did not want to press any more charges or anything, and then the state picked it up. So what? They just came out to your house one day and put you under arrest. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, they sent me a letter in the mail. you got to go to court. I see. So it was like a citation then. Right. And what? Uh, and so the, the charge was domestic uh, threatening? Yeah, threatening, harassment, over the phone. How much did this cost you all in all? 1850 Wow. $1,850? <laughs> yes. And that ain't all. <laughs> what else? Oh, just, you know community service and all that. And you've got a restraining order against you to and where you I've can't... And I've got a restraining order against And you can't even call your mother at this point? I can't even call my mother. I think it's pretty outrageous. I mean, Mark, even if what he did was threaten somebody... It I, seems to me that 1850... Well, for one, probably the, the brother, if there was any kind of damage done to him, which doesn't sound like there was... No, he I... Wasn't, he wasn't restituted in any way. Um, so, I mean, the, the state gets 1850. Where's that money go? It goes to the state. It has nothing to do with any victim. So right, I don't see any point... Right, I don't see any point in in that. Um, you know, obviously there needs to be provisions made for the guy to uh, to talk to his mother. I mean, I, I agree that it's it's very strange and stuff, but at the same time, you know, I there was there was an assault committed. Yeah, there was no assault. Well, it depends on which one defines assault. On the phone. Yeah. I mean, I could be arguing with you on the phone right now. Are you going to call the police on me and have me arrested for I don't, it? I don't do things uh, that involve the police. I thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and I appreciate the story, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that happened. I think it's a real, I think it's a real sad story. And not that I defend 
uh, the ability to threaten people. Well, I think it just goes to show how inefficient this organization that we've put in place to uh, to you know to handle situations like that really mm-hmm. is. Uh, five months later, they pick up the situation and uh, you know they they go after. That doesn't make much sense. Yeah. They charge the guy eighteen fifty. Is that going to his brother? I mean, does his no. brother deserve any money for having been uh, threatened by his uh, you know his his brother uh, with with a butt kicking? I don't know. I mean, to me, this seems like uh, it, it, it's it, the punishment's too severe. Yeah, absolutely. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. If you dial in toll-free, you can bring up anything, even if you didn't mean to call us. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com features including our archives going back all the way to the beginning of 2009 right there in our podcast. Just uh, download whatever ones you want. They're all completely free at freetalklive.com. And if you're looking to get gold and and or silver, uh, you know, everybody's – lots and lots of people are getting it these days as a hedge against inflation or an investment, barter currency in case the big one comes uh, you can go to gold.freetalklive.com. We have uh, some of the best prices on some of, uh, many different pieces of gold and silver there, and I've picked them out, and they're the ones that uh, that I chose, and we're trying to give you the best rates we can on them. So go check it out at gold.freetalklive.com. All right, the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. We continue here. Uh, going to get to – you've got a story, Mark, about giving birth. Well, sort of. And uh, I want to get to that, but first I want to play something from our soapbox, which I think is is going to have some level of relation to it, although I don't really know a whole lot about what's, uh, what's coming up next. We've got the Free Talk Live soapbox that is available for you at 603-722-0267, 603-722-0267, and it's basically a, uh, it's basically a voicemail number, although right now it's set up to, to ring in live, so if you're listening to the show live and you call that number, you'll actually ring through and get on the show live. But if it's after hours, you know, if it's overnights or during the daytime or something like that, then uh, when you call that number, it'll go to voicemail. You can leave a message of up to three minutes, and it may or may not be used on the air. So it's not the best way to get your ideas on the show. The best way is to call in live. But it's one way that might get your ideas on the air. Like a real soapbox, sometimes people will listen to you, sometimes they won't, which is why we say you might get on, you might not. So I'm going to play one of these for you here. Hey, guys. I'm listening to the last night's show, and uh, this is my first time calling in, so I figured I'd call in on the soapbox and uh, – Share my perspective on uh, the uh, the abortion discussion. Um, I think I've come up with a, a fairly pro liberty point of view. Um, but uh, now, first, some questions have to be answered. Um, the first question to answer is uh, when a fetus becomes uh, human in possession of uh, human rights. Um, religion is really subjective. 
so it's not really valid in the discussion. Um, life is also relevant as long as we assume that it's okay to, uh, it's morally acceptable to eat and kill animals, um, which I think it is. So the focus is really on when the fetus becomes a human with human rights. Uh, I contend the answer is the achievement of sentience. Uh, when a fetus becomes sentient, it meets all the qualifications to be considered a human. So the potential for sentience begins with the formation of the brain, which current understanding places at around eight weeks. Uh, before this point, the fetus is really meets the clinical definition of a tumor. Uh, you, know, you can't really count opportunity in there, uh, so you just have to look at things as they are, as they are. Uh, so the next question is uh, the rights of the woman. Uh, does a woman have the right to control her own body? And naturally the answer is yes. Uh, but this leads to the next question of whether or not a parent has the right to control the fate of their child. I believe the answer is no. A uh, parent is, of course, responsible to make decisions in the interests of their child that is incapable of doing so on their own, but they're not free to execute their own child simply because it has become a burden or is unwanted. Uh, however, so long as the child resides in and is irreversibly dependent upon the mother, the right of the mother to control her own body supersedes the child's claim to human rights. Uh, for in order to defend the rights of the child, the mother's rights must be violated. So this nullifies the child's claim. Uh, the key issue is really the performing physician. The physician has no claim of self-ownership in the matter. A mother cannot transfer her rights to a physician in order to facilitate a decision that is not in the interest of a child, just as the mother cannot ask a doctor to execute her five-year-old. Um, a physician, like any other, really must recognize human rights. So, therefore, prior to eight weeks, uh, I think a woman is within her rights to surgically terminate a pregnancy. After the fetus becomes sentient for a uh, physician to terminate the sentient human qualifies as murder. Uh, the mother... He ran out of time. But he did get, I think, most of uh, most of his points out in that uh, that discussion. And I, I found it pretty interesting, uh, the idea that... In his opinion, there's always never, or there's never going to be. Uh, there's there's a never-ending uh, line of, of what people believe and don't believe in this particular instance. Yeah, and you're never going to get people to come to a consensus on this issue. But nonetheless, it was uh, it was a perspective I hadn't heard before. The idea that you know once it becomes sentient, in his opinion, then it's uh, then it qualifies as human. Until but he, then, but he equated the growth of a brain to sentience, and all the things that he claims that he can eat have brains. So I'm not sure that the um, mm. that that his claim of sentience is is attached to having a brain, and and if so, then a ham sandwich is a mortal sin. Right. I didn't say I necessarily agreed with uh, with with his position because I think that you know in my uh, from my view, my perspective, and uh, I think my perspective is limited because I'm a man uh, on this particular issue, but uh, from my perspective, I think that a lady does own her body, and I think that she is uh, is the ultimate arbiter of what happens to any part of her. And I think at that point, even though, uh, you know, after eight weeks, even though the, uh, the, the fetus may be more developed than it otherwise would be earlier on, that it is still physically a part of uh, of the woman and i think that that means that she ultimately gets to decide uh, what to do with it 
Now, I think that that doesn't mean it's an easy decision. I think it's probably one of the most uh, difficult decisions a woman would, uh, would have to make and uh, in her life. And she doesn't have to have any moral, uh, any uh, legal obligation, even though she has a, a strong moral one, to include the man in that decision. And I think that's a real problem with today's um, you know, sort of uh, system that they have. Well, you and I disagree on that, and I, uh, I don't think that the man really gets should have any say in what she does, does with he have her gene- own does body. Does he have genetic material that's exchanged there? That's true, but he gave that genetic material upon his own volition didn't she enter into a um like a a tacit contract by having sex with this guy i mean that's what sex does right Mm. like it creates fetuses yeah it does so Uh, but i don't think there's any kind of contract there well i mean you know that's that's like arguing there's a social contract if you enter into uh, a a situation with somebody then you know you're 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 going into that uh, with that person i mean that's I understand you're going in with that person, uh, but that person doesn't have the same consequences as you in that you, if you're a woman, get to, uh, you, you know, you have to deal with nine months of, uh, so should of I be being obligated? pregnant should, and the man doesn't. If, if I decided I didn't want that child and she decided she did, what should I be able to, uh, and sh- she has the ability to terminate a pregnancy, should I have the ability to sort of legally terminate my rights and responsibilities to that child? I think that's a tough question and I think it's better answered in a an ideal uh, society. The one in which we live, uh, I don't think it handles that very ideally. I, well, the first time I've ever heard you talk about how something should be handled in re- the real world. What do you care about the real world? <laughs> you talk about your fantasy world. No, that's constantly. what I'm saying. I'm talking about the fantasy world of, uh, you know, the liberty-minded world in which uh, such things can be worked out, I think, without having a one-size-fits-all government uh, rule being forced upon everybody. All right. That. Well, I've got a story, a real story about what happened here, and we can uh, talk about that. Your story isn't actually, actually about abortion, though, but it's no. related to the issue of whether a woman can or cannot control her own body, and it strikes uh, to the core of what we're talking about here. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away. The bulletin board system is one of them. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com. You'll find serious discussions and completely asinine ones over at bbs.freetalklive.com. And Manchester Brewing beer is made from genuine Concord Pond water. They don't get the stuff from sewers in Jersey like some other beers they could mention. Manchesterbrewing.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We're going to talk about a woman's right to uh, decide and determine what happens to her body. But it's not an abortion case. We'll get to the details here in a moment, but Phil is on the line listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Phil, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Greetings from uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, um, Well, I was listening to you, uh, to the voicemail from... Uh, the caller that you played earlier regarding abortion and how he believed that once um, fetus reaches a sentient status, uh, status that it you can't abort that fetus. Um, I personally believe that in most instances, a woman should have the right to control 
what she does with her body. Um, I do believe that when you get to a certain point, and as far as I know, I would believe that the third trimester of a pregnancy would be this point, when the baby has a good chance of survival, when the fetus has a good chance of survival being born, I think that then you start to look at, well, now this, this being has the right, has, should have some rights to live. I also think that within the first two trimesters, looking at the six months, um, six, six and a half months, a woman should be able to have, she has the time to make the decision on whether or not she wants to carry that baby to full term. Once the baby has a, has a good chance of living, you know, it, you can, you should be able to at least say, well, you know, unless your life's at risk or something of that nature, you may want to look at, well, now this baby has a good chance of living, has a good chance to be born, have a full life. You know, we look at this baby now has rights. Um, at the same time, you know, like I said, the first two uh, trimesters, I can I see where it would make perfect sense for the woman to have an abortion, the fetus to have a good chance of living. But I'm just trying to create a cutoff point at this point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that uh, the, the, the last trimester... You're really getting into a danger zone as well. I mean, as far as for the the health of the the woman, uh, it, it can be very dangerous to, as, as I understand it, to remove a, uh, a fetus after you know the or in the uh, the third trimester. So there's that factor uh, as well. Well, I'm of the um, certainly in the first trimester, more spontaneous abortions. That means uh, you know nature or whatever it occurs. Um, th- th- those those occur far more frequently in the first trimester than they do in the seconds and thirds. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion that uh, a human life is a human life, and it doesn't matter to me at what point um, it occurs. I, however, am anti-legislation on the topic. I think we've done that. We've we've attempted that, and it's created all kinds of of problems. And um, I think that this article that we're going to get into here just points out that you really can't separate a person from the rights of their body. Phil, well, I agree with you, and, and that's not, that's an ideal ideal situation. And I do, if you were to look at that, and I don't know, I think if nothing else, you would look at promoting other avenues for for a woman to take care of a baby if she decides in the third trimester, I'm not ready to have a child. Well, I think at that point, you look at other uh, avenues such as adoption. Yeah, I think this is this is where the pro-lifers really fall down on the job because what they'll do is they'll howl, they'll scream, they'll sh- they'll hold up uh, signs, they'll buy billboards of uh, dismembered babies, they'll do all kinds of things except put together a program, um, an organization that will give women who are headed on the way into Planned Parenthood some money to have a baby so that they can uh, give that baby out for adoption. Right, rather I mean, than rather than rather than you employing the stick, let's employ the carrot. Oh, I totally agree, and you would think that... Now, of course, what would also help with that is uh, removing a lot of the bureaucracy that comes with putting a child up for adoption and so forth, but that, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's, that is a good point. Phil, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Uh, absolutely. Getting, uh, making it so adoption, the process of that is is easier. And then, like you're saying, Mark, uh, having all of these very, very religious people uh, they, they tend to be the ones that are uh, against abortion, who on a regular basis give 10% of their earnings to the church. These I don't think churches, that, that many really do tithe, but go ahead. Well, that's what uh, they are supposed to be doing. That's uh, what you claim. I mean, you know. 
Well, that's what I heard when I was growing up, that you're supposed to give 10%. That's what, that what the preachers say. Of course the preacher would say that. Didn't they say, doesn't they say that in the Bible? Yes. Well, okay, then that's what they're supposed to be doing. So anyway, there's no doubt that these churches, and many of them are very, very well funded. I mean, they've got these mega churches out there that have They just are certainly well funded. Rolling Gi- dough. Giant uh, auditoriums that they call churches. Right. So there's no reason why they couldn't. There's no reason why they couldn't do exactly what it is that you're suggesting, mm-hmm. except, I don't know, maybe it makes them feel better to get all angry and vitriolic and, and hateful. And shoot uh, abortion doctors, oh, right? That, that you know, too. kill people, kill kill people that they claim are, are uh, you know, doing these things. It's, right. it's, it's awful. Let's jump into the issue. Where's so, this uh, story from? This is uh, from, from Florida. And, you know, all the strangest ones are always from Florida or Germany. Um, Which website? This is from abcnews.com. Okay. Got it from uh, Freedoms it. Phoenix. And this really just goes to, goes to point out that you can't separate a person from the rights that they have over their body. Samantha Burton, this is disturbing. Oh, but if they'll try. If you're easily disturbed, for, turn off your radio. Samantha Burton wanted to leave the hospital. Her doctor strongly disagreed, enough to go to court to keep her there. Oh, no, not this, this again. In, 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 Saras, in, excuse me, in uh, Florida, you can use the Baker Act to keep somebody 72 hours. She smoked cigarettes during her first six months of pregnancy and was admitted to a, um, of a on a false alarm of premature labor. Her docu- doctor argued she was risking a miscarriage if she didn't quit smoking immediately and stay in bed rest in the hospital, and a judge agreed. Mm. Three days after, I wonder what her insurance looked like. I wonder if the doctor you know, made any decisions based on how good her insurance was. Three days after the judge ordered her not to leave the hospital, Burton delivered a stillborn fetus by cesarean section. Six months after the pregnancy ended, the dispute over the legal move to keep her in the hospital continues, raising questions about a mother's right to decide on her own medical treatment and where it ends and where the priority of protecting a fetus begins. The entire experience was horrible, and I'm still very upset about it, said Burton through her lawyer. I hope nobody else has to go through what I went through. Burton, who declined to be interviewed, is uh, appealing the judge's order. She isn't asking for money, but hopes to keep her case from uh, setting a precedent for legal control over women with problem pregnancies. She also worries if uh, it could prevent women from seeking prenatal care. Uh, State Attorney Meg uh, stands by his decision to uh, seek the court order um, after being contracted by the hospital. This is uh, good people trying to do good things in a right situation to save lives, he said, whether some people want them saved or not. So uh, Burton is in her late 20s, has two young daughters and a common-law husband in Florida. No, she doesn't. (laughs) Holds down a blue-collar job and said her lawyer, David Abrams, uh, she didn't want an abortion, had obtained prenatal care, and voluntarily went to the hospital after experiencing symptoms she'd been told to look out for, he said. So I think this this looks, you know, you've got to look at this from a couple of different angles. Did the smoking, uh, you know, lead to, to some extent, this child being stillborn? possible did the stress of being incarcerated at the hospital lead to this child being stillborn maybe possible um you know what can you do about it i find i find women smoking during their pregnancy to be very disturbing i Mm. think that it's it's extraordinarily irresponsible i know that smoking is difficult to quit i know there are things that one can do they work better for some people than they do for others what about smoking pot I don't think smoking pot's the is you know probably as detrimental, but I don't think. But the problem here is that the government won't allow uh, there to be much science around marijuana. Yeah. So you're, you know, at that I don't think it's going to be looked on well by people. But smoking is also smoking while you have a child is also if you do it in public, it's it's much more 
you know, people don't smoke marijuana in public generally, um, you know, whereas you do smoke cigarettes in public. So there's this mm-hmm. whole, uh, you know, so, you know, social norms being violated there. And it's, it's so this lady smoked cigarettes for six months of her pregnancy. Yeah. When who in, knows if she smoked as many as she normally would have? I mean, I you, don't know. You know. The, the doctor said this is uh, something you shouldn't be doing and I'm going to force you by court order to stay in the hospital. And the question is. Should that be allowed? Yeah. Should, who, who agrees with that? Yeah. Do you feel like that's appropriate? 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online. We've got a lot of features on our site, and we give them away to you. Now, if you appreciate this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the program, get on more radio stations around the country, Bring more internet listeners on board. Expand the show so more people can hear the message of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Learn more about the program. Learn about the perks you'll get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only forum, and uh, commercial-free podcast. All the details are there for you at amp.freetalklive.com. If there's one thing I'd str- strongly recommend for you to get your um, get for your family without hesitation, it would be the Tiger Light T100 non-lethal personal protection device. Sometimes when you buy something, you Really know it's a good decision. In that case, in this case, it's the Tiger Light. Go to tiger.freetalklive.com. I've got mine. I've put a little bit of the uh, the Velcro stuff on it. I slap it on the you know the console in the vehicle when I drive there. Um, you know, my wife keeps it with her. Um, you know, when she's going out, I, you know, we find it to be the a great flashlight and a it, you know it's it's a flashlight and pepper spray combined thing. You can go check it out at tiger.freetalklive.com. Let's continue here. The story that you shared with us. We can get you right into your phone calls. But just to recap, the story that you shared with us is a tragic one. Uh, it involves a, a mother who was pregnant again, and during her pregnancy had been smoking cigarettes for the first six months. She felt like there was some sort of issue that she was having. She went in and saw a doctor. The doctor said, you need to stop smoking. She wasn't really too interested in stopping smoking, I guess, and he decided that he was going to force her to stay in the hospital for her own good, supposedly. And so he went to a judge. The judge uh, gave an order, and she was forced to stay in the hospital. Three days later, she gave birth uh, via cesarean section, and it was a stillborn uh, baby, which means dead, right? Uh, So the question here is – and this isn't an abortion issue, though it's certainly related. It's very related. You know, if if you're going to take away uh, a woman's ability to get an abortion – I'm not going to call it a right – if you're going to take away their ability to do such a thing – I mean, what's to stop them from taking care of that on their own? I mean, you you know what's going to happen. That's what'll if happen. If you make yeah. it illegal, women are going to still abort their pregnancies. I mean, you'll be able to get whether, an abortion from your drug dealer at that right. point. It'll I be mean, black whether market. They, whether she gets her brother to hit her in the belly with a two by four, or you know, I mean, what 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 are you going to do about that? But this has always oh, been I my concern. I slipped and fell. This, this has always been my concern, Mark. With uh, one of my concerns, with the issue of 
uh, the idea of the, the question of, the, of what level of control a woman is allowed to have over her own body, I say she should have complete control over it, because if she doesn't, if it is, uh, if it is legitimate for the government to say, well, once you get past this point, you have to have this baby, then it's as legitimate for the government to say, well, if you're pregnant, then you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this. So if we find out that you're smoking cigarettes, you'll be punished for that. Or if we find out that uh, you're drinking alcohol, you'll be punished punished for that. We'll take you. We'll chain you down to this bed until you finally have that baby. And this is a story in which that has actually occurred. Well, I understand where you're coming from on that, and I agree that those are all big. Those are problems. Those are the problems with having government deciding what's right and what's wrong um, and you know how we should handle it as a society. Those are, the, those are some of the problems there. However, I don't think that aborting a fetus that you, uh, you know, you, you entered into a situation knowingly um, by having sex, I mean, People, people who have sex generally know that sex creates babies. I'm not saying that's every time, but the vast majority of the time. And if you enter into that situation, you have a baby. I don't think that you're absolved of your moral obligations simply because, well, I've got the right to choose. Yes, you. it's your body. You get to choose. But by choosing to have an so abortion, are you saying you're choosing to do something well, wrong. Well, I don't want to talk about abortion. We've talked about abortion but, but in the you past. Just, you just are brought you it up. What okay? you were saying is that, um, that you know, this was my big concern about abortion. Well, I'm I'm telling you. This what is my the slippery slope. This is the slippery is. slope that leads that uh, that that starts with the argument about well, women shouldn't be able to do this as far as aborting uh, fetuses are concerned. The next step is women should also not be able to do this because if it's true that uh, a woman doesn't have full control over her body while she's pregnant, then that opens up the Pandora's box for all kinds of other rules and restrictions. Are you saying that it's okay with you that this woman was locked down to a bed? I am I'm disturbed. I don't think the government can do anything right. Right. And I think that this is another example of how they can't do something right. Would there be a right way to uh, pre- to to lock a woman down to a bed to I prevent don't think her you from can. smoking? I don't think you can. But I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you should pat her on the hand and say it's okay, honey. Go ahead. And I get didn't that say abortion. it was okay to smoke. I didn't say it was okay to. I, I, I'm not saying that I necessarily support abortion. I just right. support a woman's right to make these choices for herself. I don't know that it's necessarily a right. I think it's it's a reality. It's that her they body, get and do... she has rights to con- She has a right to control her own body. Yeah, but. But doing something right means that it is right, and it is not right to smoke while you're pregnant. It is not right to drink alcohol while you're pregnant. It's not right to intentionally uh, kill your fetus. I just don't think that the government's going to solve that problem. Let's talk to John listening to WAIS on television in uh, Nelsonville, Ohio. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, you know, I I agree with, you know, the doctors take a Hippocratic Oath where they're supposed to help out the patients and everything, but when it comes to that, it almost sounds like he's stepping over the line because that's not his choice to make. It's not his body. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I've, I've worked in long-term care. I've worked in uh, ERs and stuff. And, you know, I have seen the problems with smoke later on in life when people are dying of lung cancer, when they've got COPD and everything else where they're sitting back going, God, I wish I wouldn't have smoked when I was younger. But yet, what gives the doctor the right to say, okay, I don't like the way that you're going about your pregnancy right here at this point in time, so I'm just going to take you and lock you up in this room until, you know, you're done with your pregnancy and, you know, basically saying that I'm going to control your environment, everything that goes on in your life right now, and, 
you know, it, it is a free choice. And if we start going down that slippery slope of the judge saying, okay, yes, I agree with you, and she should be locked down, what comes next? I can tell you what comes next. And, Mark, I, I hope this rings true to you because what you've been talking about, and thank you, by the way, for the call tonight, John. I appreciate hearing from you. What you were saying there is that, uh, you know, you think it's wrong to uh, to smoke cigarettes and you think it's while you're pregnant and you think it's wrong to uh, to drink alcohol while you're pregnant. And I might agree with you that I think that those are probably poor choices uh, for, a, for a woman to make, but she gets to decide for herself what is right and wrong. And if you allow this... That's not true, though. Um, you see, she entered into a situation where... She- she knowingly do you do you not believe that people should be responsible for their actions is it because, wrong Mark? i mean when you have sex sometimes you get pregnant right i mean not th- me i'm i'm i've got a vasectomy but uh but did but, you just dodge that question answer the question man pregnant. do you I'm believe do you believe that people should be responsible for their own actions ian of course i do uh, okay but the fact is when women sometimes when women have sex they get pregnant and when you get and pregnant you to... have a responsibility to not just yourself but you have a responsibility to the life you've created okay mark since that's the position you want to take then let's take it down the line as john pointed out where does it go next well it goes to the point where somebody will say okay We've already agreed, those of you who believe that, uh, you know, that, that you should be able to control other people's bodies, uh, we've already agreed that it's bad for women to, have, to smoke cigarettes while they, uh, you know, while they are pregnant because it puts the, the fetus in some level of jeopardy. It puts the, the fetus in a level of uh, danger that otherwise would not be present had the cigarettes not be smoked. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. So then also somebody could make the point that, well, there are other things that don't necessarily involve chemicals like cigarettes and alcohol, nicotine and alcohol. Uh, there are other things that a, a mother can do or not do during a pregnancy that could put her baby at a higher risk of, uh, of having problems. Say, for instance, not going to a hospital, maybe having a home birth, maybe having a uh, midwife birth in a, in a birthing center of some sort, maybe doing, uh, you know, whatever, whatever birthing goes on, the, the 5% or 2% of uh, births that happen outside of hospitals. The, the people in the medical associations that, that run these uh, big hospitals could make the argument that, well, it's, it's much more likely that a baby is going to survive birth. They can use if, one particular, um, you know, fact or whatever about home births. You know, I don't know what that fact is, but they they'll they'll use one particular fact. But the fact is that home birth babies tend to be healthier than ones um, that were born in hospitals. And so there, there there could be a bandying back and forth. I mean, it won't more, matter what you think. You're not the mi- you're not absolutely. Majority. You're talking about government force. Do you think that things can be right and wrong without being legislated? Ian, are you telling me that I have to I have to have your position because somebody might come along? and use my position to create a law? I, what I'm telling you is you're advocating that – what I'm hearing from you at least, Mark, is that you think it's appropriate uh, to control other people's bodies in the what? instance that – Why don't you listen to me then? I haven't said at one point that you could – that it's appropriate to control somebody else's body. I'm just telling you that it's wrong to mistreat your baby. That's all. Okay, but you won't do anything to a mom because of it? I believe. I, I said I was... Didn't I say at the beginning of this, I'm anti-legislation? I don't think the government can handle this situation. I don't think they're competent. So you don't think anything should be done to a mom that smokes cigarettes for I six think you months? should shun her. I think you should spit at her or something. I mean, it's disgusting. Spit Tol- might be pushing toll it. Toll-free numbers. Tell her. 800-259-9231. Hour three's coming up. Bring up whatever you want. Free Talk Live. 
Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program, inviting you to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right into your phone calls. Let's start things out with Lewis listening to KBYO-FM in Monroe, Louisiana. Lewis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, I appreciate you having me on. You know, I started out uh, really thinking about the abortion uh, issue, and uh, as the story developed about the young lady and uh, that was that was forced to stay in a hospital, I really, I really didn't have more on that subject. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I agree with whichever one of you was uh, saying that basically where does, where does a situation like that end? I mean, what's going to happen if uh, if uh, they say you're too uh, heavy, and that's bad for you as well as smoking is? Or let's say you're a, a NASCAR driver, and uh, well, you know what, you're too well, you're too risky to have kids. You know, where does that sort of uh, question end uh, in terms of behavior? All of these things are choices, including smoking. People get hooked on it, and uh, and you know what, if you're probably if you're over 35 years old, a lot of your moms probably smoked cigarettes as well when you were kids. You know. Possibility not, certainly exists. That, that's uh, you know that's just a, a fact of life. People make choices, but if you start to mandating what's going to happen to you when you make choices in the free country that we live in, then where does it end? Uh, and well, I agree with whoever brought that up. Well, I, what I'm wondering here is, um, I, I think that uh, you know my partner and I, Ian, was probably with whom you're agreeing. This is Mark. Um, is I haven't endorsed in any way legislation or mandates or anything like that. I do understand that those are a a, a, a big danger in this world where uh, you know people who want to tell you how you've got to live your life. I get that. Basically, what my um, what all I'm endorsing is uh, ostracism or you know telling people when you believe that they are participating in bad behavior. Well, I, I could see I could see this continuing on to uh, maybe the possibility of people that have ever. Uh, Let's just say the, the, the moms that have been out there that have had uh, that have taken crack, for instance, uh, and have had children. The Lord knows there. Uh, we know that there are instances of that across this nation. It happens. Yeah. Well, uh, what happens? Does the government turn around and say, "Well, let's um, let's uh, uh, basically make these people sterile"? I mean, I guess if it starts somewhere and it happens legally one time somewhere, as it did to this woman mm-hmm. in uh, Florida, uh, then. 
that's a precedent, you know, and it's just where does it go from there? And it's very dangerous. Absolutely right. I, I absolutely share your concerns. And it's not just happening in this one area of mothers and pregnancies. It's happening in general with people being able to choose for themselves the kinds of treatments they want to take versus the kinds that they aren't interested in. And we've talked in the past about uh, various different stories. Many, uh, Much of the time it involves teenagers who have made a decision with their parents together that they don't want to have. For instance, there was a story about chemotherapy. Uh, I think it was a 13-year-old boy. He did not want to have – he had, Yeah, he had taken chemotherapy and did not like it and decided that he wanted to stop and was forced by a court to uh, to essentially continue taking this unwanted chemotherapy. It's all in the same category of people being forced by this system, by these laws, by these government people, to uh, to be treated in ways by um, the medical doctors that they would otherwise not choose to be treated and it is a very dangerous uh, precedent to set and unfortunately this isn't the first one it's it's one of many i feel like i'm not I, being I heard hope. here i feel like i'm not I being heard here. thank you I, I feel like i'm not being heard here because what i'm i'm not advocating legislation in any of these circumstances that's fine mark i was just talking about the slippery slope and the dangers here and what we're seeing happening yes. out there and you're right i was a little confused because you were you know pretty heavily moralizing and when i hear that i think oh gosh someone wants to control me oh. As a matter of fact, Mark, you did bring up the moral issue. You talked about the morality of it, and yes. that's the whole that's the whole thing is that you can't just say – you can't ascribe morality, uh, a generalized morality to the uh, entire population. People do what they have to do when they have to do it, and it's not – doesn't work for you. I don't like the way my neighbor cuts his yard. You know? Well, there's a but, difference between um, uh, hurting someone and not hurting someone. When he cuts his yard, he cuts it in whatever fashion he cuts it. It's none of your business. But when um, you know, when you're talking about something different, there where, where there's an injured party, you wouldn't you wouldn't disagree that murder should across the board murder should be outlawed, right? Right. But but I would uh, I would know uh, you're exactly right. Okay, and I do agree with what you're saying. But when you ascribe morality to what a person does for them to themselves as well. Mm. Uh, and, and, and in the case of a mother having a child, that child is a part of her until the child is born. You know? That's oh, I, just, I get that's that. Um, all I'm proposing here, all I'm saying is is that I should be able to control my life, and in my life I should be able to ostracize and treat poorly people who I believe are doing something wrong. Like, for instance, let's take a situation well, where a husband... If they're, if they're willing to get a, you know, get punched for it, yeah, absolutely. Well, if they're willing to stand up and be a man and go, okay, you know, I think you're a jerk for smoking cigarettes. Well, somebody's liable to take a swing at they, they are liable. Well, I mean, to, they are liable that's... to do that, and I do think that it, it is a tough position to do what's right. And, um, I, you know, admittedly, I, I, I agree. It is hard to do it. I made a New Year's resolution a year and a half a year ago, um, you know, so it's been a full year, that I was going to honk every time I saw somebody throw a cigarette outside of a car. And I'll <laughs> tell you, I have a difficult time doing it because I don't want to be the guy who steps out of line. It's hard for me to do that. But I think if somebody's doing something wrong, it's, you, should, you should say so. And in the yeah, same, but I mean, what, what what good does that do, man? I mean, come on, man, give me a break. Maybe if you some... really want to do it, you get out and get pick it up. You know, I mean, well, I don't expect them to do, I don't expect them to do that. But I can tell you that when <laughs> I was you would do it. when I was 18 years old, I uh, threw something out outside of my window of my car, and the guy behind me honked. And I've thought about that ever since. So wow. yeah, it can do something. Lewis, thanks for the yeah. thoughts and the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Social ostracism is a powerful tool, and I think that this is a perfect instance. To use it. I'm fully in favor of, uh, of social ostracism, so I, I agree with you to that extent, Mark. Uh, although I think that, 
you don't necessarily have to go to the wall with social ostracism. I don't right think away. so either. But I think that there, you know, I think when you're talking about, um, in, in, I feel strongly about the issue of abortion and and children in, in the womb and all that other stuff. I think you could start by talking to people you care about and uh, explaining your position. And I'm not saying go, you go and kick them right. in the shin, Ian. No. I'm just, uh, you know, these are these are positions that one can take. Let's continue. AB is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, AB. AB, you're on the Hi. air. Okay. Well, now that you guys kind of um, made up on air, um, I'm not sure I have anything to add, except that um, I would have to agree with Ian on, you know, you can't really kick him on the shin. Well, I guess you both agree on that part. But I'd have to say it's like kind of like how you treat military people when they come home from Iraq. Um, you know that they probably don't understand what it is that they did. Um, when they were over there in Iraq, and I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, scream at them, spit at them, and ostracize them, um, because, you know, they killed perhaps innocent people, and you know, they might not understand that, but I think the best thing to do is just to educate people, and even if they uh, did something that you view as wrong, like in the case of abortion, they committed an abortion in the past, you could work on educating them um, and letting them know, like, the facts of your case and showing them. Um, different things, and I'm pretty sure most people are smart enough to um, pick up on AB, what's right and wrong. A- yeah. AB, I, I don't, um, I'm not advocating social ostracism in the case of somebody okay. who has had an abortion. I don't think that there's any any point in that. Um, I, I understand that it's a fine line and what, I, what I'm trying to distinguish here. Um, what I was proposing, what I was saying is, is in the instance of a mother who's, say, smoking in public, um, you know, big old belly, puffing on a cigarette that perhaps somebody might, you know, express to her that that's, you know, not the greatest thing to be doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, but to do it in a, a caring manner and a loving manner I think that versus that's more a vitriolic yeah. manner. I think that's more effective. However, um, I would like to say that, you know, that, that there are times when people sort of react to strangers in a vitriolic fashion, and it is very powerful. I'm not talking about hurting anybody. I'm just talking about, you know, letting somebody know in a very forceful fashion that what they do is, what they're doing is unacceptable. Well, I mean, that I, I could, I would say that could work, but... When you're like being forceful with someone else like that, sometimes you invite them to being forceful back. And well, I guess if you're up to taking the retaliation and hoping that they don't take out the retaliation on uh, by doing what you were trying to tell them not to do more often, it's possible. I mean, that, that's another thing that uh, that's another thing that one needs to look at is uh, you know is it going to cement this person into their position by taking a a harsh stance? I've I've done both in my life. AB, I've been thanks. on the receiving side and done both. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The head gangster is giving a State of the Union address. We might uh, tune into that here in a little bit and uh, provide some comments. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. 
And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Features including our updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You'll know it first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. comes right into your email box, and it's free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy for your search. You can start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com, and there's big start page news coming tomorrow. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, get the get the jump on it by going to startpage.com today, and right there you can click on the little thing, and it'll allow you to have the uh, start page right inside your browser, just like uh, you know all the other search engines. All right, let's startpage.com. Con- let's continue here with your phone calls about what you want. Gilbert is on the line in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Gilbert. Hi, yes, uh- about uh, the lady and uh, the, the social ostracism, I think uh, social. I think that's the terminology we're using. Uh, that uh, that that only works with people who care. Some, when people are extremely selfish, and I think that would be the case with this um, with this woman. Could be. Uh, I don't think they would would care, and I think that well, this here's a. It depends. I mean, it, it depends on the strength of the ostracism. It depends on how widespread it is. If it's just somebody who sees them in public and gives them a piece of their mind, then, yeah, they're not going to care about that. But if it's uh, close friends, if it's family members, if it's a significant portion of, uh, of uh, you know, the people that they interact with on a daily basis, then all of a sudden they'll, they'll uh, likely start to care. Some may, but uh, when somebody's extremely addicted to, uh, to a drug... Um you know, the drug overtakes any any uh, opinion that any other person may have of them. Agreed. I think uh, the situation with, that you guys were talking about um, regarding uh, the lady being held uh, by force in the hospital, mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's a choice between uh, wrong and worse. It isn't a, a choice between wrong and right. I mean, uh, the, the, there is no right in this one. If you let her go, you're irresponsible, and, and you feel kind of like... Uh, yeah, like you're letting her uh, do severe damage to a a, a, a child that may be born uh, with this deficit, maybe intelligence deficits, or or something wrong with them. But uh, and but if you force her there, then you feel like uh, you're being the Gestapo, you're being. Uh, uh, the, the the government that we criticize so much. Yeah, right. So, and it's uh, and really, you know, it's it's the the balancing of the situation because which which is worse, the stress that the woman feels by being incarcerated in the hospital, which is going to be severe, um, or the the smoking. And I don't think that uh, either this judge and quite honestly this doctor are the ones that are qualified to to be able to make that decision. Yeah, but them, them letting letting her go and letting her continue that behavior. And which led, I believe, to to the still stillbirth. You're just you're just making an assessment. You're just making. I think yeah, but you know, I think it's you know, if you would put it to a poll, I think most people would say that would be the reason that she was extremely irresponsible. Are you some ad populum? It doesn't really matter. So are you saying? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that it was appropriate to tie this woman down to a bed? I think it was inappropriate, but I think the other thing would be worse. You think it would be worse to allow her to continue her behavior, so therefore you accept the idea that uh, on the decision of a man in a robe that a woman should be tied down to a bed if they don't if they decide they don't like the way she is uh, taking care of herself. I don't think she should, but I think that the the, the alternative is worse, and uh, 
And uh, I disagree it, completely. I think the alternative, while it may be undesirable, is uh, is best because it allows people to freely make choices for themselves and feel the consequences of their actions later on down the line. Whereas what you're advocating is far worse because it leads to it leads it's the slippery slope that I was talking right, right. about earlier. I agree with you there. That's you strap down one woman to a bed because she's smoking cigarettes while she's uh, while she's well, having a baby, and then you've got all kinds of other things that are being forced, all kinds of other treatments what, and things like that that are being forced on other people. So, so you wouldn't let's say she's uh, shooting up heroin through her stomach and she she's putting it through the baby first because, <laughs> because she gets off on uh, it going through the baby before it goes through her. You wouldn't wow. stop her. You wouldn't force her to stop doing that. Yeah, it's it's really none of my business. I think it's tragic. <laughs> And uh, it's, it, it, you know, I, may, I might talk to her if I were a friend of hers. Well, I don't but think you, I think, uh, for first off, um, what the point that you made is an extreme one, right? And right. what, how is it that the doctor found out that she's still smoking? Likely, the fat she lady told, told her, you know? Um, and so, you know, m- more than likely, she's not going to say, yes, I'm shooting up heroin through the baby because I get off on it. Um, so, so that's, the, you know, the extreme circumstance doesn't really play in this um, in this situation. And the previous caller, I felt, made a good point, which is many of us over the age of 35, which is myself, and I don't know whether you and not, not Ian, probably were born to women who were smoking during their pregnancy. Also, this woman has two kids. Let's assume that she smoked through those pregnancies too. Uh, you know, I, I just, I'm not, I do not advocate, uh, you know, that this woman smoked during her pregnancy. But I just think that it's an assessment, like uh, it's a, it's a cultural conversation or meme or whatever that's going on right now that smoking is absolutely, terribly, hideously bad for a child. And I think that it might be being overstated right now, just because there's this whole big wave against smoking, if you know what I mean. Right, right, but there, do, there does have to be a point where where people do have to intervene and uh, and, and put a stop to somebody that uh, that is doing something extremely irresp- irresponsible, like the uh, like the extreme example that that I gave, and I think that uh, I, I know that I would hate to see the government have to do that or or the police or whatever, but uh, but but like I said, it, it's not a situation where it's right or wrong. It's a, it's a situation where. It's wrong or it's worse, and, and life gives us many of those situations. As long as, Gilbert, think, as long as you're willing to you yourself be at some point in your life, have your freedom to choose how you are taken care of and the medical treatments that you receive or don't receive, as long as you're willing to give up that right and that ability to choose, then uh, then you should feel okay with doing that to someone else because it may come around to bite you in the butt. Well, if I'm that stupid and I'm that selfish... I think, and I'm in that drug-induced that we're... It doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, being stupid, selfish, or drug-induced. It can simply have to do with the fact that people who are not like you get in control of the government and decide that something that you do that they don't like should be outlawed or something that uh, you aren't doing that they do like should be forced upon you. And I agree with you 1%, but you're looking for an absolute uh, solution... And, and rarely in, in life do you find absolute uh, What do you mean? Here's, I'm looking for an absolute, absolute solution. solution for you, Gilbert. Here's an absolute <laughs> solution. Everybody needs to take responsibility for themselves. If this physician um, is willing to take responsibility, if this judge is willing to take responsibility for their actions and it's found through you know some kind of testing, and I'm not sure how that would come about, but if it's found through some kind of testing that this baby was born stillborn because of the stress that was induced, uh, the, the stress, right. and when one might say that it's the stress induced by being incarcerated, then if those judges are willing to, you know, the judge and the doctor are willing to take whatever sort of repercussions, I don't know what a dead baby's worth to this woman, but, um, you know, I think that I, I think they should be responsible for compensating her for that. Just really quick, I, I, want, I want to see what you guys think about this. 
don't, don't, uh, I think that, uh, that, that abortion at the, at, the, at the beginning of the term should be legal and at the end should be illegal. And I think there's already, like, we already have a natural way of determining that. And uh, I think um, my opinion is that if you have a miscarriage within the first few weeks, you know, you just flush it down the toilet. And, and, they don't and even say, know. Yeah. In a lot of cases, right, they you, just you, don't know. Give it the flush test. But if you have an, a, a miscarriage at, 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 at seven months, and the baby is born, and, 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 and you try to save it, and it doesn't make it, you give it a funeral, right? So I think that there's a, there's a point in time where, where we give the, 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 the fetus more importance, and I think at, the, I think at that time, like maybe, maybe four or five months, we should respect the fetus, and, 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 be, and be prior to that, we, maybe we should... Uh, Gilbert, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Your thoughts about anything. Free Talk Live. The highly anticipated new documentary, Reclaiming the Blade, featuring Viggo Mortensen, Carl Urban, John Rice davies and Star Wars legend Bob Anderson is now available at SwordMovie.com. The number one movie on iTunes is now available on a two-disc set that includes hours of swordplay instructional videos, behind-the-scenes footage, exclusive interviews, and a documentary on the making of a real sword. Visit SwordMovie.com today for your chance to win one of many real historical replica swords, as well as the wonderful Force FX lightsabers from Hasbro. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams. There's a broadband version, a dial-up version, a webcam, all uh, free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, you can learn about the Free Talk Live listen lines. Again, that's over at listen.freetalklive.com. Dot com. And the Institute for Humane Studies has, uh, well, several different uh, internships that uh, if you're in, of college age, you can sort of check out. There are production internships, journalism in- internships, and public policy internships, either with state or national organizations. You can check them all out at libertarianinternships.com. They have housing assistance, stipends, and uh, courses to help you with it. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, in this employment market, you as a college student are going to find a lot to do this summer. So go check out libertarianinternships.com. All right. We continue here with your calls. Ladies first, Stephanie is on the line in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I sort of caught bits and pieces of this story that you were covering. And if I understood it correctly, there was a, a doctor that forced a woman to stay in the hospital because she was smoking or something like that? And yeah, she, she was, uh, yep, she pregnant, uh, fairly pregnant. He found out probably from her own admission that she'd been smoking cigarettes throughout the first six months of the pregnancy, and he uh, said that she needed to stop. She didn't seem too interested, so he went to a judge to get a injunction of some sort uh, to force her to stay in the hospital. She then gave birth uh, to a stillborn baby three days later. Well, that's really a shame that the baby was uh, stillborn, but... I mean, this this story just sounded out of this world to me because it seemed like the doctor was doing a, an extremely poor job of communicating to the to the patient why she had to stop smoking or why she should stop smoking. And you know, I I assume that she was you know pregnant and carrying the baby to term because she wanted to have a child. One would assume. And, yeah, and I mean, if she actually wanted to have a, a child and have it be healthy and have you know, even if she just wanted her own life to be, you know, 
preserved and not have all these risks of complications, it seemed like if the doctor explained that to her, that it was risky that she was smoking and she might put herself or the baby in jeopardy, then maybe she would have stopped. And, right. and why did he need to go and bring the state into it? It just doesn't make any sense. I agree absolutely that um, this doctor did a really bad job, I would assume, of communicating his position. For one thing, when it um, – you know, it's in the long term, not smoking, say, uh, you know, half the cigarettes that you were going to smoke during, uh, you know, your pregnancy isn't going to do anything for your lungs, but it is going to do something for that child. Um, in in the instance, in, in when we were talking about cigarettes, and I've read a little bit, so I mean, I've had a lot of a layperson's understanding of what cigarettes do to children in the womb. Um, it's Stephanie gone. Oh, no, I'm here. Okay, uh, there was there's a funny noise on the line. Um, there, I have sort of a <laughs> lay <laughs> layperson's uh, understanding here, and I it does each cigarette is detrimental to the the child. Not, not you know not at a terrible kind of born with a three eyes kind of sense, but it's it's not good for them. Um, you know, they're just their whole systems don't develop as as well. And this doctor could have said something like, "Look, it's very important. Every cigarette that you can choose not to smoke is so important to your baby. That baby that you're going to care." for and you're going to love and it you know well, here's what I can do I can give you a prescription I can uh, you know I can get that prescription subsidized because I'm I'm just going out on a limb here the lady smoking going to the the doctor maybe she can't afford it I don't know um, you know I can get to this subsidized uh, in some way prescription that uh, you know that'll help you to stop smoking I took this Chantex it's it's not for everybody but it really did work for me and it was just a pill and you know I couldn't it, it, smoking wasn't wasn't any fun anymore. There are all kinds of different ways. For, Certainly would have been more constructive had he approached it in that manner. Right. He could have gone. There, there are all kinds of ways that doctors have to go about helping people to quit smoking. Plus, I found that, uh, you know, even the hypnotism thing seems to work for some people. Oh, yeah. There are tons of different tactics that the doctor should have and could have tried before he, you know, I don't think he should have used force at all, but if he, you know, was going to do that, he should have at least, you know, tried to talk to her and reason with her beforehand. And I kind of see that um, example as part of a trend among doctors. Like, I'm thinking, for instance, when, you know, parents don't want to vaccinate their children. <laughs> and uh, I'm probably opening a, a can of worms by saying this, but, um, you know, doctors will try to use force, and they, they don't really spend a lot of effort using persuasive techniques and trying to explain why they think it's a good idea to, for the parents to vaccinate their children or why they think it's a good idea for the patient to, you know, take their cholesterol med medication or whatever. It seems like they just either are too lazy to explain those things or don't know how to effectively communicate those or it would seem you're right know, about something. that because uh i mean it, it you got to be lazy if you're going to the government to have a man in a robe order men with badges and well, guns well don't forget force... that, that doctors believe that um, you know that that, that 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 surgeons are known as known to have god complexes right so um they not just surgeons it's a, it's a lot of doctors and it's very disturbing to me i think it's disgusting i mean it's i you know i'm I'm in medical school right now, and I see like a lot of people around me who don't think that there's anything wrong with forcing patients to do things that are quote unquote good for them or in their best interest. And I do see a problem with that. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, they, if they've sworn an oath to do no harm, I don't think that uh, I don't think they realize that when they're going to the state 
maybe it's not they themselves that are strapping the woman down to uh, the bed. Maybe it's somebody else, but they're the ones who have initiated that force. They're the ones that have started that process, and they are actually engaging in doing harm by doing that, even if they do believe or even if they're telling themselves that, well, it's for her own good. Sure, and like you said, Ian, before, it's it's a real slippery slope argument because you could sort of say, if you were a statist, I guess, that, you know, anything a pregnant woman does which is suboptimal is grounds for forcing her to do the thing that is quote-unquote right or healthy or whatever. And so where does it stop? And It doesn't I, stop. I mean, it can go down to the point where eventually, once they get more kind of genetic um, manipulation down of babies, where some of these do-gooders could say, well, if you don't genetically manipulate your baby to be this, that, and this, then, uh, you know, you're doing, you're doing possible harm, and so we're going to force you to make sure your baby has blonde hair and blue eyes or whatever the heck it is that uh, the, the sickos in power would want. That's certainly another step. But uh, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, suboptimal circumstances uh, during pregnancy, I've got a, a somebody sent me a little article here and it's um, it's from the Roanoke Times from uh, 2004. It says Melissa Williams, 35, uh, is a resident of Bullet and worries about the effect that of her un- her unborn child of the sound of jackhammers in her neighborhood. It's got her standing standing out in in front her front yard with big old belly and a cigarette in her hand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's worried about jackhammers. <laughs> Stephanie, any other thoughts tonight? That. <laughs> no, that's it. You guys have a good night. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Appreciate the uh, the inside the medical system perspective, and thank you again. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Wow. Yeah, man. You know, it just goes to show different people, you know, different perspective on, perspectives on things, and it's it's not going to be easy to solve these problems. Tom is on the line in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Okay, just as a point of historical reference, of course, I want to point out that as far as social ostracism, uh, it had some effect on me when I was a member of the New Hampshire legislature, let's just say. And uh, on September 17, 2005, Dr. Stephen Serlin uh, was on his way to go perform an emergency C-section at Glens Falls Hospital in upstate New York when he got arrested for driving while intoxicated. Mm. Uh, okay, and uh, there was a delay in the operating room. They have, uh, you know, like a couple hours later, called another doctor in to perform the C-section, and uh, then the mother and child got transferred to Albany, and uh, a doctor at Albany told the mother that uh, the delay in the operating room could have contributed to those complications. Oh, no. So, yeah, uh, you know, so... Uh, you know, doctors can uh, do, uh, can mess up too, and all because, uh, I don't know if the, the doctor mentioned to the cops that the doctor was on the way to perform an emergency C-section. But uh, there's something else I need to point out here. What's that? Well, can you turn down the music? I need to, to, to well, elaborate. We'll do it whenever we're ready. Hang on, Tom. We'll bring it back. You can, can make... turn down the music. We yeah. don't really have any control we're over that. We're nailed to the music. More coming up here. 800-259-9231. We'll find out what else he has to point out. Take your calls about whatever you want in these remaining moments. Enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free, so enjoy those, including the live streams, the Shrine of Female listeners, and more. It's all free for you on our brand-new redesigned website, FTL 2.0. Freetalklive.com is the place to go, and if you want to help us out, you can go to promote.freetalklive.com. Get a whole list of things you can do to help get Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board around the world, and expose new people to freedom. Head over to uh, promote.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Be sure to include in your comparison the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children that their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks podcast is a show about the end of public education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. SchoolSucksProject.com is brought to you by Jason Osborne at Sickle CAI. All right, 800-259-9231. Back to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you said you had one more thing you wanted to share with us, so go for it. Uh, yeah, when DWI lawyers want to practice and want to specialize in that, I've uh, been reading a lot of their websites, and some of these people don't mess around. They become certified not only as operators of the Intoxilizer 5000 and certified to perform the field sobriety tests, they become certified instructors in how to teach cops how to do the field sobriety test and how to teach people how to use the breathalyzer, the certified repair and maintenance uh, certificates that they keep current. So they know the Intoxilizer 5000 backwards and forwards, and they know the field sobriety test backwards and forwards. But uh, when people exercise their constitutional right to have the assistance of counsel for their defense, there is a heavy tax on their lawyer's fees in the form of this extra education that they need so they they can uh, prepare wills and uh, pursue uh, patent infringement and stuff that they have no interest whatsoever and all the other areas of law in which they have no interest that doesn't even pertain to DUI defense. And when when lawyers, in order to become legally uh, allowed to practice uh, law in the court, have to go to school longer and longer, that just adds to the cost of hiring a lawyer, and it makes it more difficult for us to fight back in court, even before the government's puppet judges and the government's kangaroo courts. It makes it even more difficult because it's so expensive to hire a lawyer. So you're saying that that the attorneys that are DUI attorneys are also training the police on how to get more, uh, create more DUIs? No, they're just becoming certified in that so that they know the stuff. They, they need to know the stuff, the material. So they go to school and they take the same courses that mm-hmm. uh, an instructor would take. They don't actually go out and later teach it any more than they would go out and uh, perform field sobriety But tests. what you're they, saying they, is they that's they increasing the cost. You're saying that's increasing yeah. the cost of uh, an attorney? Uh, the cost of those courses is necessary for the, the, these guys to be experts in DUI defense, but the cost of learning how to prepare wills and how to and all the aspects of patent infringement law. Which you're saying they have to learn have, when they're in school, even if all they it, want to do is DUI. That's right. Uh, I that's got you now, Tom. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. You're right. I mean, it's 
it is common in this government school system that is out there where essentially there's all kinds of minimum things that uh, that people have to learn, different courses they have to take that may not have anything to do with their eventual major, whether we're talking about lawyers or other career paths, uh, all kinds of mandatory classes that are just completely unnecessary that just add to the cost of, uh, of what it costs to get those degrees, and uh, somebody has to pay those costs down the line. Yeah, you'd think that uh, people should be able to get the education that they want to get. Um, it's a free country, right? No, you'll get the education we decide. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have a caller, Gene, the Christian anarchist, who's uh, not only a caller, but an amplifier of the show. Um, he tells a story of, I believe it's it's some relative of his, his wife, who's uh, um, who's also a doctor, who's working up in Alaska in kind of a northern, a la northern exposure situation where they're the, the doctor for some native type people on some little island out in the Aleutian chain, where um, everybody there in the entire you know, village goes out and works on the uh, the, the ship, the the fishing boats. Yeah, they're you know, I, I suppose that some of them may go and do other things, but all of them, in order to get some government education, have to go through twelve years and learn all kinds of things that they that have nothing to do with Completely fishing. Completely useless. And uh, different uh, different states require some some kids to go until they're eighteen, and this really just impoverishes the family. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Dennis is on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Lines. Greetings, gentlemen. Dennis, what's on your mind tonight? I have pretty huge and awesome news concerning um, concerning the drug war in New Hampshire. Really? How so? Uh, so, so there was a bill. I think you guys mentioned it the other day. A bill put up to uh, tax and regulate the sale of marijuana in the state, mm-hmm. which obviously is not the total decrim allowing it to be sold on schoolyards that some of the hosts of the show might endorse. However, wasn't there also a decrim bill uh, put up? Yes, there's also there. There's like actually three different marijuana freedom related bills currently working their way through the system. Okay. Um, and this one, this particular one, um, basically tax and regulate, was put up by uh, there. There are four sponsors of the bill. Two of them are Republicans. Two of them are Democrats. Two of them are Free State Project members who moved to New Hampshire for more liberty, got themselves elected. And one of them is a New Hampshire Liberty Alliance member who happens to be a New Hampshire native. So it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty across the board. But um, I, I thought did, I saw something that that did not uh, have uh, a success. It only had a partial success today. I think a lot depends on how you define partial success, given the fact that our governor just vetoed a medical marijuana bill, the most milk toast medical marijuana bill they could possibly put up in front of him, and he vetoed it. Anything with the word marijuana in it, you would assume right now is like, well, look, let's put it to bed, go through the motions, get it over with, it's done, it's it's killed, right? So this bill, they had the the public hearing on, and of course, New Hampshire Common Sense Marijuana uh, Coalition was there. Um, Matt Simon and crew, who uh, is another free stater that started a pro-marijuana lobby and has just done an awesome, awesome job, not being weird, being very, you know, inside the system, talking common sense. Um, They had today what they call the exec session, where the committee gets together and as a group, as a unit, they vote on whether they recommend this bill should pass or fail. The initial motion right out of the gate was ought to pass. And in this, and this was in the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee. This is a committee that is shocked to the gills with ex-cops, okay? 
the, the thing came out 8 to 10, very split vote. Like, in other words, one more person, they would have, uh, one more pro-liberty person on that committee, they would have had a tie, two more pro-liberty people on that committee, and this would have come out ought to pass, done with it. Okay. How does that compare to uh, prior criminal justice votes on uh, criminal oh, justice committee? Anything marijuana freedom comes out of the criminal justice and public safety committee inexpedient to legislate. That's yeah. just how they work. Um, but what is amazing, and actually, um, if there's video of the discussion, there are longtime ex cops and Republican types, like pretty establishment Republican types talking amongst themselves, you know, in the formal executive session, saying, look, this goes against my grain, this goes against everything I've ever thought about marijuana, but looking at the evidence that's been provided to me, I have to recommend this bill ought to pass. Mm. This, this prohibition isn't working. And these are, you know, guys with R next to their name, like Republicans. Yeah. With this, this prohibition, and they're, and they're sounding like leap officers. I mean, you know, back when we thought LEAP was good, right? They're, they're, you know, they're, they're literally giving LEAP talking points. Look, prohibition isn't working. What Let's do you, get it out of the hands of the children. Dennis, what do you credit this uh, change in attitude amongst these, uh, these folks? What do, you credit, um, what, what do you credit that to? Oh, uh, I credit it all completely to New Hampshire Common Sense, nhcommonsense.org. Um, you know, this, this group that was started by some free staters especially a guy named Matt Simon, who is awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, and actually some, some other Free Talk Live listeners, actually, who, who are, are kind of prominent, have also uh, you know, been members of this organization. And they're just so professional, and they're so non-threatening, non-confrontational. They've spent the last, I would say, you know, two, three years supporting marijuana bills that are not crazy bills, with just calm discussion, and they've been winning hearts and minds. And they've done it even with the uh, the meta- or the uh, the cannabis celebrations that have been happening across the state. So it's all working together. Dennis, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Uh, if we didn't get to your calls, sorry about that. We'll uh, hit you tomorrow. Dial us up at the beginning of the show. In fact, speaking of this issue, uh, Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is supposed to be with us at the start of the show tomorrow night. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. And it's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me Julian Harris, who is the director of Liberal Vision. Julian, can you... uh, uh, describe to me what liberal vision is. It's over in the UK, right? Uh, it is indeed. It's um, where I suppose what we call a, a ginger group within a political party here called the Liberal Democrats. A ginger um, group? If, yeah. Okay. So we, a, I think we call of, it a caucus here. Uh, yeah, a kind of group within a group. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the um, the the Liberal Democrats are one of the. Uh, main parties in the UK, of course, the, the word liberal um, often has has different, well, it has has varying connotations in the UK, but certainly across the pond, yeah, um, it, 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 we sort of uh, 
use the word differently. I very much describe myself as a, as a classical liberal or libertarian, and, and um, I suppose part of the point of, of liberal vision is to convince the whole party, all of the liberal Democrats, to be uh, classically liberal, because that's the, that's the, uh, the meaning of liberal that, that, that we uh, understand has its roots in, in you know, 19th century liberalism and, and Mill and even later Hayek and, and people such as this. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, certainly I could describe myself as a classical liberal too. It's, a, it, it mm-hmm. you know, it, the the term certainly has been turned around, and at this point, Rush Limbaugh here in the United States has uh, made it into a an epithet. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It's, I, I think it's um, it, in a way, it's a bit frustrating. I, I think yeah, we we need to reclaim liberal. It's, it's obviously it was this was. Um, the terms got very confused in the in the 20th century, and uh, especially when when sort of a lot of a lot of liberal ideas became partially adopted by people on the right. Um, then, then obviously the term was was taken over. I do find one sort of irony here is, uh, is we often find that the term liberal has been taken over by people who are more kind of social democrat, but equally the term libertarian has often been been taken over by people who who are not libertarian at right. all, but are quite right wing or conservative, and and it's it's almost like kind of every name we call ourselves gets gets stolen or at one point by by some other group. I think but, it's because yeah. uh, the message of libertarians is is such a good one that uh, you know they mm-hmm. they they create a label and then somebody else to, you know takes that label and co ops it. Indeed, yeah. We should trademark it or something, if that's what we believe in. <laughs> right, right. Point, but, yeah. and, and they're the rub. <laughs> so um, what, what are some of Liberal Vision's planks? What are some of the things that you guys are working on within the uh, the Liberal Democrats? Sure. Well, I mean, we we try to kind of give, give credit when credit's due, and um, but also to... to um, there's, there's not much point of having a group if it just constantly just cheerleads and says, aren't we great? So we, we try and look at some of the things where the party uh, we think is, is not liberal enough. Um, I don't think I'm being too disloyal in saying that there are quite a few of, of, of those cases. Um, to pick a recent one, that we had an issue with the party. Um, the party proposed uh, a ban on airbrushing of photos. Um, I saw that. At the time. Yeah, did you? I, I mean, I can't... I can't imagine what what someone um, uh, you know in another country looking on must think of this. I mean, it's, well, I, I, there, there are there are nannies, um, nanny statists in every country, and and their their course, ideas yeah. are the same uh, across the board. I mean, in this case, they were, yeah. uh, as I understand it, trying to eliminate airbrushing because it might give girls the wrong sense of their own bodies. Yeah, this this was the um, this was the thinking behind that. Um, I mean, it, it was just—it was especially bizarre politically because this was at our conference in September, which of course was at a time when there were all these huge issues with with um, yeah, uh, stimulus packages and and governments getting getting into huge amounts of debt and the great biggest recession we've we've seen in decades. Um, and yet, our party decided to hit the headlines with with stuff about models having having zits erased from their faces on the on the front of magazines and. Um, I, sort of a, a, it was it's wrong in principle, and, and B, it was it's a strangely uh, irrelevant issue to to try and get into the press at, at, at times like this. Now, Julian, but, um, um, pardon my ignorance on uh, UK politics mm-hmm. in in general, but how many major parties are there over there? Because here there are two, sure. and that's it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's strange because we we have a first past the post system as as happens in in the U.S., which I actually yeah, don't agree with. I think both countries would be would be better off with PR, but but it's it's obviously first past the post typically creates a two party system. But we have a a kind of strange situation here where um, the two parties have, have uh, I mean, there are there are two main parties: Labour, obviously being more socialist, and Conservative being being conservative. Um, but we also have a situation where there's a third party, which is the Liberal Democrats, who hold um, who hold 60 seats in Parliament. So, in, I have to explain that's about 10 percent. Um, so, it's, it's you're telling it's me there are 600 the seats in Parliament? Yeah, I thought that yeah. there were. Um, I thought I, I thought the U.S. House of Representatives was the largest uh, body of uh, you know representative thugs out there. <laughs> We've got an awful lot. And, Apparently, um, and they ma- they managed to consume um, incredible amounts of expenses as well, which I'm not sure it's the story which which made it too big over over where you are. But um, I saw something. There yeah, was the, there was a real big deal about uh, finance, uh, not campaign finance, but uh, just what the the spending that was going on amongst uh, sort of personal spending amongst the uh, the your yeah, representatives. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's a sp- spending they've spent on themselves. Basically, this is this has all been private for ages because you know they're in control of the system and and obviously they um, they made it private. And when this information started to leak, um, it, it was it was leaked to a, a paper, the Daily Telegraph, um, and and they, they just ran with it big time. And, and lots of MPs were exposed to just spending huge amounts of money um, on uh, often. Often ridiculous things, like like one one MP had his moat um, cleaned. Um, he actually has a moat around his house. That's awesome. Or, England moats. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's just everything we imagine here in America. I know. Yeah. Well, the whole the whole thing about the sort of you know the political class you know, ruling over the plebs really came out. And, you know, we found out you know these people were just um, often you know um, mortgage frauds. Several several MPs, very senior MPs as well. Um, have been sort of claiming for lots lots of expenses on different houses and different mortgages um, in order to basically increase their property empire. And lots of them um, would do that and then sell a house at a very large profit. They were make, you know, making tens of thousands of pounds sure. um, on top of their already very generous salaries. And, and yeah, this all came out. Yeah, I, I I could hardly even imagine uh you know the, what a what a bad idea it is is to, to to pay their house payment and give them a paycheck. I mean, isn't that what a paycheck's for? Yeah. Is to pay uh, to pay your house payment? Yeah, indeed. I mean, there's this sort of there was one MP gave gave the craziest sort of defense of of her of her fraud yet when she, she had um she, she was an MP for for a place just northwest of of London and she was claiming for a house. Um, which was about a hundred miles south southwest of London, um, so nowhere near her constituency. And it turns out sort of her daughter or something was living in that house, um, and and she she made the defence something along the lines of I have a right to a family life, and it's just I can't think of sort of anyone apart from a politician who would come up with, with a defence like this. As they well, yeah, sure you do have a right to a family life, but yeah, you don't have a right to for us to pay for you to, to have anything in you and your family like. Um, well, if, it, if she has a right to it, apparently we do have to. <laughs> indeed, yeah. Um, I suppose I suppose it's, uh, it's one rule for them and, and one for the rest of us. But um, but it was good at least this all came out. And, um, and I think it was a good thing. It's um, 
it's, it's dented the fallacy that that politicians are, are somehow um, you know not self-interested and, and somehow behave uh, at all times in the public interest. It, it's it's helped to um, to dent that fallacy and, and make people more cynical of, um, uh, of, of the 600 people who have uh, extraordinary amounts of power over the rest of us. Now, is that just the House of Commons, the 600 people, or is that the House of Lords included? Well, the, the Lords, um, as ever with, with the British Constitution, it's, it's in, incredibly complex and has strange inconsistencies with the rules. Um, I mean, the, the Lords situation... Um, was, was kind of similar. Lots of lots of lords have been have been fitting expenses as well. One thing we've tried to do at Liberal Vision is 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 be very blunt about um, uh, about things both within our party and within our, uh, other parties as well. So uh, I think one thing that that helps us with that is we don't have any MPs or any lords as, as members of our group, um, and this gives us the freedom to basically say whatever we want and um, and, and not be tied into sort of. Uh, kind of system where you know people have political friendships and and political ties and they're looking after their own career and this kind of thing. Um, so the, the point I was I was getting at was the the, the chairman, in fact, of the Liberal Democrats um, sits in the House of Lords and, and he had an extremely dubious situation with with his expenses, whereby he was claiming for a house. Um, in, in Eastbourne and, and claiming that was his first residence when it really doesn't seem like it was. Um, and we were able to criticize him um, about this openly and uh, in spite of the fact that we're in the same party because we think, you know, uh, as I say, once you get into the whole system of, of, of politically supporting your friends, then, then you're just as bad as anyone else. Yeah, it, it it does have its downfalls, no doubt. It's uh, it's kind of tough, you know. You can you can be principled and have no power, and then once you get some power, you can't be principled yeah. anymore. I, uh, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a tough position, but you might as well play to your strengths, right? Indeed, indeed. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe this is why libertarians tend to end up shouting from the sidelines, but um, yeah, but uh, well, you know, uh, that, I think that's a valuable role. Um, I, I think um, I think you can, you can. You can influence uh, what people think a lot by shouting from the sidelines. Yeah, as long as someone's listening. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'm trusting you on that. Well, I'm working on it. (laughs) Now, (laughs) um, this this podcast that uh, you're being recorded for will... We'll, be, we'll go out to thousands of people, you know, several thousand. Fantastic. Um, and some of them are actually in the U.K. Uh, we've inspired, as, as I okay. understand it, a couple of uh, local podcasts, you know, well, I guess local, uh, springing up, U.K. podcasts springing up in your area, uh, one which will okay. be advertising on the show here shortly. So, um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, behind, uh, behind the United States, obviously, the United Kingdom is our, uh, you know, second most listening country, which is kind of surprising with Canada just yeah. to the north. Well, yeah, maybe not that surprising, but um, but yeah, I think um, it, it's interesting comparing the the sort of libertarian um, scenes, I suppose you could say, in both countries. In, in a way, there's um, there's sort of an increasing um, parallel between the two. I think there's there's a sort of much greater libertarian identity, sort of informal identity, has has popped up here in um, in the last few years, and a lot of this comes from um, comes from the blogosphere. Although I suppose I, I mean I'm not sure. I, I sort of confess to make ignorance on um, on your side of the of, of the pond. But uh, over here, one thing that's interesting with with sort of informal stuff, informal media, if you like, like the blogosphere and and um, 
and podcasts is a really the sort of libertarian wing. Some people over here say right wing as well, but really the, the libertarian wing of things is, is, is dominates the blogosphere yeah. over here. Um, whereas I sort of believe that the uh, sort of social democrat um, leaning people have, have done quite well out of it um, in the U.S. I mean, in famously, I was going to say infamously, but maybe that's a bit harsh. Famously, <laughs> Barack Obama had a lot of um, support online. Um, he so did, but sort of <clears throat> libertarians are, uh, you know, here in the United States are certainly represented online in a far greater percentage than they are in the polls. So, um, okay. You know that, that they are they are evangelical, if nothing else. Um, I sure. I couldn't tell you like raw numbers how many people are you know writing this and reading that and all, all that other stuff. But I can yeah. tell you there's a lot of information coming from the United States as far as uh, of libertarian yeah. stuff. So um, at oh, Liberal sure. Vision, what are what are some of the, the the planks that you guys are working on? Um. Well, we we do quite a lot on on lifestyle freedom. So um, one thing we've worked with is. Um, is with groups on um, against the smoking ban that's been that's been introduced here, which I believe is is very similar to um, to the ban that that's happened in, in is it in parts of the U.S. or is it all of the U.S. Now? It's parts, uh, but you can expect okay. it to uh, come to a neighborhood near you. Sure. Well, I mean, I was just thinking of what you said at the the beginning of. of um, this interview about nanny status having having the same ideas worldwide. Mm. I mean, I also work for a think tank called um, International Policy Network, and one of the things we notice is the sort of internationalization of, of these measures, um, particularly through them being pushed by global NGOs and and by and by through UN bodies as well. Yeah. So you get one idea like banning smoking in in as they call it public places, but you know private places like bars, etc. Right. Um, and 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 this idea spreads very very quickly um, across uh, across various states um, throughout the world. Um, and there's also often a lot of pressure on on poorer countries um, to adopt these measures as well. But yeah, so getting back to the point, so we, we we've campaigned um, and are campaigning for the, um, the sort of amendment of the smoking ban here. So if they're not going to overturn it completely, but at least have have provisions whereby some companies, some organisations can have sort of dedicated smoking facilities. You'd think um, that it was easy for bars and uh, and cigar. Uh, you know, purveyors and, and places mm-hmm. like that. You think those are those would be shoe ins, but uh, in some places yeah. uh, here in the United States, you you can't do it in any of those. No, no, it's. I mean, the more extreme cases are ridiculous here. Like there are a lot of um, there are a lot of uh, North African uh, and some Middle Eastern um, places uh, just quite near from where I live, in a place called Edgware Road. Um, it's a big kind of community, and there, there are lots of these places where you smoke there. I've forgotten what they're called. Hookah. Yeah, a, that's hookah. And um, uh, and now they they all have they all have to. And this is their this is you know the the purpose of their of their, of their uh, restaurants is you go there to, you know to sit on the little couch and smoke one of these things. And now all these people who who go to these uh, places that they have to smoke outside, and uh, as you know, I'm sure you know, England's not a pleasant place to be smoking outside in, in January, or for that matter, December, February, or half of the year. In fact, yeah, the, um, um, and, and also it's it's really contrary to the culture um, of those places to even mm. smoke outside. I mean, that's that's not what they're you know they're yeah. they're used to sort of these dark rooms that they can smoke in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I mean, it's just, yeah, I was in, um, uh, you, you, end, you end up in places where, which are just, you know, made for smoking. And even, you know, a, a smoking club, uh, a, a place which, which says, you know, this is uh, Mark Hedges smoking bar. This is for smokers. It has it written on the top and that's, and it's, it, this is illegal. It's completely insane. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we've, this, this is one campaign that we've got behind and we had, um, uh, we had a big event at conference with uh, um, free booze and 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 stuff to get people along, and it was very successful. We also took um, that event um, took on some party councillors who, rather shamefully, were were trying to introduce um, laws that would would ban films or put put the uh, certification on films up to 18 if the films if this, I almost can't bring myself to say it if the films depicted characters smoking oh my smoking porn they, it's, it's just <laughs> absolutely astonishing um, and going back to the sort of you know, use of the word liberal, these are these are councillors that stand under the banner of being liberals and saying, you know, we believe in liberalism. And then two minutes later, they're saying um, we're going to ban films or, or ban anyone under the 18, under the age of 18, of seeing a film if anyone smokes a cigarette in the film. It's amazing how um, that uh, how they can contradict themselves, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect them emotionally. Uh, you know, I, you know it's, <laughs> it's like they they have this disconnect in their brain. Yes, I'm liberal, mm. and I support banning things. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane. It's uh, it's astonishing. But um, uh, before uh, we've got about five minutes uh, left here, Julian, I want to get your take on uh, U.S. healthcare versus uh, mm-hmm. England's healthcare. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the the, the sort of um, big palaver that kicked off in in the summer or our summer um, was 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 a bit unfortunate. I, th- I think one of the problems with this um, with this debate is it gets well. I was going to say it gets polarized, but I think it gets caught up in a bit of a false dichotomy. Um, I mean, my own view here, which I think is the, is the view of, of most libertarians, is that is that both systems um, currently in the UK and in the US are flawed. Um, I'd say that the our one is is considerably more flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it's it's very odd here. We I mean I, yeah I don't <laughs> it, it's difficult. I I don't want to go to extremes and sort of stoke fires um, with, which I've just criticised. But it, it re- the NHS really is like a religion here, and I say that in meaning that people are irrational about it. Someone will have awful treatment on the NHS. And then you'll ask, and they'll, you know, they'll experience the ration service. They won't be able to get treatment. That's sort of a problem a lot of the time. Um, or it's so shoddy and, and so restricted that, you know, you just can't get it. And then you ask them what they think of the NHS, and they'll say, oh, it's wonderful. We must defend the, the NHS. It, it's just very, very strange. Um, we get uh, BBC Radio here on one of the local stations at, in the evening, and I was I was just hearing a report. It's been a couple of months now, but uh, it was uh, a group of people that were having terrible time with the NHS, and they were so loath to sue them in order to get some kind of uh, of uh, you know b- b- progress or whatever in their case. I mean, their 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 mom had been malnourished to death, you know, starved to death inside of an NH uh, hospital there. But uh, I, you know, I. I couldn't get any redress for a year and a half, so I decided to sue, and it, I, you know, it was with much regret. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, this is part of the problem. We just get this absurd socialization. I mean, it's true. That's what happens with it. And, and one of the problems that stems from this is then it socializes everything. So then you, you, it gives an excuse for this sort of paternalism where what you eat and what you drink and what you smoke is suddenly the business of society. Right. Because if you, if, cause if you eat too much and you smoke a load, then suddenly you're a burden on the NHS. Um, and, and this is... Um, then this is something which, which is a very negative side effect. Sure. Well. But, I mean, it, it, is, it is a very bad system. And um, I think one of the things that people, um, people in the U.S. need to appreciate is that um, there's kind of a fallacy of European healthcare systems where people think that, you know, or every healthcare system in Europe is a sort of bastion of, of socialization, um, when really that's not true. And, and the NHS is, is one of the worst in terms mm-hmm. of government control. And, and most other healthcare systems in, in other European countries have, have far more choice. They're still generally managed by government or overseen by government, but they at least have stronger elements of choice, particularly in places like Holland and Switzerland, where the healthcare is, is vastly better than it is here. Hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, you know. When I look at it, I wonder. I know the United States system stinks, and it is half socialist. Hmm. Already, Already. and when when they talk about health care reform, they basically seem to mean socialist health care reform. And I don't, you know, (laughs) it's it's not like anyone's ever going to ask me on this subject, but, you know, basically our choices are, do we want to keep this crappy system we have or go for a crappier one? And and it's a, it's a, like you said, a false choice. Sure. Well, I mean, I I think it's, um, I, I do like, I should say, I like Michael Tanner's approach where, you know, his, um, of Cato, his uh, his his top line sentiment is you, uh, the American system needs to be reformed, but reformed in in the opposite direction. Um, it needs to be liberalised away from the the absurd regulations and vested interests which which control it at the moment. Um, and so I was going to make another point, and I've already forgotten what it was. Well, Julian, I'm going to move but, beyond yeah. that point because <laughs> I have uh, just about a minute left here. Now, tell mm-hmm. me real quick about uh, – you've got a couple of papers that you've had published, um, and they're, yeah. they're called uh, a Fake Aid and a Closer mm-hmm. Union. Uh, tell me about these papers yeah. and how people can um, find them. Well, these, these are – well, they're both online. They're both available um, at the website of um, International Policy Network um, to give us another plug, which, yeah. which, as I said, is the think tank where I work. Um, basically, what we've done is, is we're looking at sort of so-called foreign aid spending, um, which is actually, uh, and we're scrutinizing that spending. And what we found in both these cases is foreign aid spending, which is, which is just going to, to uh, NGOs, charities, and trade unions within the U.K., um, and a lot of the time, this money doesn't even leave the UK, and yet it's in, <laughs> it's, it's in the foreign aid budget. Um, I mean, it's it, it's one of these things. Like, you know, I, I just think this should be front page news. Of course, I think that. I mean, we've had some media, good, very good media coverage from it in, in papers like the Times, but um, I can't understand why people are more outraged about this. Um, to give a few examples. The, That's because the, the it's, Julian. It's because right. the politicians are are um, you know st- stealing so much money yeah. to pay for their houses that this is just uh, you know this is minor stuff in comparison. Yeah, well, this, is, this has occurred to us. I mean, I actually this is sorry, it's a very negative point, but one of the first journalists I spoke to about the first paper, um, she, she kind of I was kind of going through the points, and she said. Um, 
she said, "Oh, so, sorry, that that adds up to to what two um oh, no, sorry, two hundred million for the budget for for next year." And I said, "Yes." And she said, "Is that all?" No, God. And, <laughs> and I I kind of I almost wanted to give up at, yeah. at this point. I thought, "Well, hold on, I, I'm giving you you know a new story which has never been covered about two hundred million pounds worth of of completely wasted money just going to the government's cronies." That's... And you said, "Is that all?" Right, and um, stealing is such a commonplace activity within the government. The two hundred million yeah. pounds stolen is it's, it's, it's nothing. <laughs> mm. It's incredible. Um, I mean, maybe this is maybe this is their plan all along. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Well, um, again, plug your website and uh, and, mm-hmm. and uh, then we we have to go. Okay. Um, well, as I said, that's uh, International Policy Network's website where you can get both papers completely for free. One's called Fake Aid, and one is called A Closer Union. Um, while they refer to the UK, we are looking to do similar work on, on US organizations as well. Um, so I'd be very interested in uh, in hearing from, from anyone that, that reads them and, and has sort of any uh, interest in the same kind of thing happening in the US because I am pretty sure that it is happening over there as well. Is there contact information near the papers that they can get a hold of you? There is, yeah. There's okay. contact information on the website, yeah. And, and the website, you said it was um, – what, what is the web address? Um, it's policynetwork.net. Policynetwork.net. Okay, cool. Yeah. Julian Harris, thank you very cool. much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.